0: Welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitale. Joining me, we have Josh Torres. Hi, hello. We have Adam Vitale. Hello. James Galizio. Hey, folks. And Chow Min How's it going? All right. It is the second to last podcast in July. Of course, I'll start out by saying thank you to the rest of the crew here for covering in my absence last week. Thank you, Josh, for hosting. Thank you, Adam, for putting the site post and the MP3 file together. And of course, thanks to James and Chow for contributing, to, as always. Um, so I was just out of town last week. And you know, thank you guys for stepping up and uh, carrying on without me. I heard you went to a Renaissance Fair? Uh, yep. So went to see a little small concert uh, a couple states over, so a little bit of a day drive uh We did that on a Friday night, and then we drove to a Renaissance Fair in Colorado, the Larkspur Renaissance Fair, on Saturday. So, yep, that was uh that was a little bit of a small summer little mini vacation thing. My first Renaissance Fair that I went to. Uh, did so you dress kind of... up at all, or did or were you the guy that just in t shirts and jeans? So I have a kind of a silly story. I did not dress up, so I was just the guy in like t shirt and jeans. But the day before, this is this is very me and very like on brand. So, of course, at the Renaissance Fair, uh, they have tons of shops, not only for like paraphernalia and stuff, but also like, hey, do you want to dress up next year? Here's where you can get like your tunics and your chainmail and your weapons and your like kilts if you want a kilt or whatever. But I had literally been in Denver the day before. not, uh, Yeah, in Denver the day before aurora colorado actually and we stopped by a micro center and i had spent a little money there so like oh no i already spent too much at the micro center i can't spend uh quite as much as the renaissance fair so i didn't get any like gear any tunics or anything this year but next year maybe what'd you get at micro center uh i just got another um so i have a lot of computer components i'm gonna rebuild my pc for Baldur's gate 3 and for starfield uh, I got a um, just a Western Digital um, like four terabyte SSD drive, which are not cheap. They're oh, yeah. ch- way cheaper than they were, but they're still not cheap. But um, my my, Wait, my I new got, com-
1: I got something similar too, <laughs> but it wasn't from a fair though. It was from Amazon Prime deals. So.
0: Well, yeah, this was this wasn't at the fair. This is at the Micro Center the day before. But yeah, my new computer build. I'm trying to not have any SATA compute uh, hard drives or solid state drives. Everything's going to be um, on the motherboard with the M2. So, hopefully, that'll clear up. Fewer cables, the better. IMO. Um, but yeah, I went to the Renaissance Fair. I got a couple of things from uh, my family, a couple of little gifts and things. Um, I will also uh, be out for some work travel later in August. Just let's just state that up front. So, of course, um, thank you all preemptively for uh, conducting things in my absence uh, as the weeks go on. Yeah. So, I mean,
2: that's
0: what
2: we're here for. It's okay. Mm-hmm, it's all yeah. Good. Thank-
0: Thank you, Josh, for hosting, Uh, and you've done it a few times now, so always good to know that you've got my back in case it's needed, and of course I'll have yours uh, if the opposite case is true.
1: I'm just going to ask you a question. Since you went to this Remazon Fair, uh, Mm -hmm. there's people actually driving all the way to our city, because in Canada, we're one of the few 30 uh, feeders that have Oppenheimer in 70
0: millimeter.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> she came on the way here just to watch the movie. Only to have technical issues where the movie just... I, I, had heard, I, I,
0: I had heard, like, some of the Oppenheimer 70 millimeter IMAX showings, like, there was power issues in one of the theaters. Oh, no. there's, there's only, like, uh, I'm going to get the number wrong, but, like, 20 theaters in the U.S. and, like, 13 in the Martin, California, or something like that. Um, uh. or, 20, or 20 theaters in North America that have, like... You got to watch this movie on film and you and you got to watch it in IMAX. You can do one or the other. You can watch it like on digital IMAX or you can watch it on like standard format film. But to watch it in both these people, people will travel many several hours to do that. Couldn't be me. But you know, I'm not a film movie buff only for a few theaters to have issues with power or issues with the audio. Um, I guess, you know, All right, able- that's a- <laughs> a- wait, finish your thought. I I was gonna say just the true projectionist when it's not just a digital projector like the actual film reel it's you know a dying breed not all the theaters know how to do it anymore apparently. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Since we brought up the topic, I I have to ask: uh, Are you Team Barbie or Team Oppenheimer?
1: Team Oppenheimer. I'm never going Team Barbie. Sorry. Dang. Dang. I think
0: you. I think you have to have one with the other. They are. Uh, oh, you, you, need, you need to experience them both, like like that, a that, nice contrast. They are forever linked together. That's like chocolate and
2: ice cream. It's like it's like a your type versus like you can't have one or the other. You need
0: to always yeah, mix it's, them. It's like the a twist. Reese's yeah. cup. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Okay, got it. Interesting. I, well, I, I I I don't know like which. I'm not a movie person. I don't know which publishing house like uh, is behind each of those films, but. I want them to come to Blu-ray with like a double pack. I want I want to get like a four. I want to get like a four K Blu-ray digital combo in the same box. That's what I want.
2: I want to. Yeah, I want the experience where like you have both running at the same time. One's, like a picture-in-picture or split-screen <laughs> experience, and it, like if it's like a picture-in-picture, to like switch between one or the other at like certain points. If not, yes. then like a true split-screen experience.
0: That's what I want. If if, yeah. if the if they won't do it officially, I'm sure the gray market will cover us. Oh,
2: yeah. I'm, just, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, of course, we've talked about on previous podcasts, the, uh, the deluge of games that are coming out in late August and early September. Of course, uh, we have a few people working through being able to cover those games when they come out. We're looking forward to trying to schedule out exactly how that's going to all shake out over in the next couple of months. And those of us who don't have access, me, Are going to like have been working through some of our backlogs. Um, I've currently actually, you guys discussed this on the podcast last week when I wasn't here the surprise shadow drop of Dragon Quest Treasures on PC. So I'm, I put a few hours into that. Uh, I'm still finishing up Zelda. I know a few other people are working through like Final Fantasy and a few other games still. Um, but we're gonna start our discussion here with uh, a game that I know I've watched a few people play uh, here on our Discord channel that I don't really know much about. So I'm eager to see you guys discuss this game, and that is the game Remnant 2. So I'm going to tee this conversation up by showing how ignorant I am. I remember a few years ago, a game came out called Remnant from the Ashes that was kind of marketed and played sort of like a souls-like action game i know souls are action games but uh, a souls-like with a more action fast focus to it with multiplayer components that were a little bit more standard compared to the um asynchronous method that the dark souls games typically do so uh, i have no idea how accurate that is remnant 2 seems like it's focusing itself a little differently it's titled itself a bit differently uh but i know that both josh and james have been playing this game a little bit Uh, i'll hand it off Maybe to uh, maybe to James first. And of course, I know Josh and James. Well, no, kinda... no, no. Nope.
3: Josh has played more than I have. I did oh, okay. finish it last night, but Josh has played more.
0: So. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'll hand it off to Josh first. Uh, so Josh, what is Remnant 2? Have you played the first game? Does it play itself similarly? And what's a good comparison? I hate always saying like, oh, it's as Action Souls-like, right? Because I have no idea if that's even a valid like way to yeah, describe it. Yeah,
2: it's it's tough to uh, compare these games to any other. I'm So like... So I, I played a good chunk of Remnant for the Ashes. I never fully completed it. There was like a, a bit of like roughness and unpolished to it, kind of like you know, go, go, like uh, there, there, was just something like it, it. It was rough for me trying to get through that. Like uh, I played a bit with it with some friends, but then something came up. Like you know, I had like a something to review. Uh, like I, I had to bounce off of it because I, there was like a lengthy RPG um, that came out around that time. Or when code uh, when we received code. So that, um, it it. It is a third-person shooter action RPG. The comparisons to Souls, like the, you, you definitely see, like the framework for it, like it's uh, is inspired by it because they definitely have like these bonfire s things called rolled stones that you go rest at. You replenish your health, you replenish your ammo, uh, and then you respawn enemies as you do so. Um, you know, which is very much something that uh, the Souls games that's kind of their, one of their trademarks, mm-hmm. um, and. This is uh, this game, both Remnant and uh, from the Ashes and Remnant 2 are trying to do something differently that, like, most action RPGs kind of are still kind of scratching their heads about. In the, in the sense that, like, how do you make something that's fulfilling in character building uh, through world exploration, but you want it to feel fresh through replayability? So, what does that mean? Um, in these games, uh, you're the primary component, the primary device that uh, that you're interacting with is this thing called the World Stone. It's Basically, just like a floating stone, and you use that this stone to travel to different realms, to different worlds. These are the like very like these different biomes, essentially. Um, so, like in Remnant Two, one might be like a sci-fi world, another might be like the like uh, world of the fairies, so like they're like in this like very grand cathedral, very clean environment uh compared to like the sci-fi world this is kind of like a a lot is like a, a barren like wasteland but it's like kind of it's kind of like a post apocalyptic very dark purple uh and then you like kind of visit like these uh like uh establishments in in that world to like go find things for like a like a mini narrative there to proceed forward and the main objective in these worlds obviously is to go find like the big world boss there beat it up and like, and then you complete kind of, you get like a MacGuffin from it, like an a, a, a item to go take back to like an NPC. And I, I'll be, I'll, I'm definitely going to be like, you know, trying not to spoil a lot of this game, obviously, because this game is not technically out uh, till next Tuesday. Uh, but for people who uh, bought the super expensive Ultimate Edition, uh, they have early access right now. Um, you know, but it, uh, so don't worry about like if you're worried about spoilers. I'm uh, not gonna uh, touch too much about that. Um, if you need to, like, if you don't need to have played Remnant for the Ashes to understand Remnant 2, it's a fairly paper thin story, all things considered. It does take place several years after the first game. There are familiar faces uh, that show up. You are still back at this Ward 13 home base, so a lot of like residents uh, that you met in the first game are back there, but you're playing a new character. And uh, what's different in this game compared to the first game? Like one of the first things off the bat is like in the first game, everyone's first world is always Earth, and Earth is kind of like uh like it was like a very post-apocalyptic state. Earth it was like drab gray. It just didn't look visually appealing, uh, right off the bat. So I I assume that's like you know why some people were kind of bounced away as that that as well because the first the first world was something that was always you know it it just didn't stand out. Um, In this game. Uh, you can be placed into one of three worlds as, uh, uh, at first, um, and your your starting world is going to be always different, like from person to person, um, in that regard. And uh, so, you know, well, well, uh, once you start that campaign, uh, the activities are set. So you kind of traverse through these worlds. So now, when it when it comes to like, okay, what, well, how how am I? engaging with this content like what what kind of character what's character building like um in the first game like the 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 class system is called archetypes and in, in the first game you only had uh three archetypes to choose from they're all pretty straightforward they they had like minimal differences in what their specialties are they weren't that distinct or specialized in the in the first game in in remnant 2 it is much more specialized there's a lot of classes you have like four starting classes with, like the hunter the medic the Challenger, the Challenger is a kind of melee focused um, class, and and the the Handler, which is hey yeah you, that that class is you're you're like you have a dog with you and you're and that dog and you can like try kind to of build out that, that dog and whatever you want. it could be like a support dog, a medic dog, um, or like an attack or like an attack dog. So and then and then if you pre-ordered the game like uh, you unlock one of the secret classes early like the Gunslinger, and then there's other secret archetypes in there as well. So it's uh, there's a lot more archetypes in Remnant too. Um, in, in Remnant from the Ashes, you'll, you can only stick with one archetype at any single time. Uh, in Remnant 2, it allows you to dual class um, after you make some progress, you're able to like unlock a secondary archetype. So you have a prime archetype and like a sub archetype. Um, and, so, and what this means is that as you're leveling up your archetypes, like so this kind of you know, as you're uh, like beating enemies, completing content, you're leveling up these archetypes, and along the way, these archetypes uh unlock uh five I know four uh perks which are like passive bonuses to them that are um good for the class. For example, like Hunter, it's like a very sniper, far distance focused class, and what its perks might be like increase range of damage by this percentage. Um and like aiming down sights for this long will increase, you know, per your your uh, damage even more. and you know, That's beneficial for the class. And then challenger might have like perks that like, oh, you you, you increase your melee attack speed, or you increase like your melee damage uh, on that. And these uh, these perks, you know, they, they open up and they also have, uh, they also unlock uh, skills that they could use. These are active skills. Uh, they they each archetype can learn three skills, but you can only select one as your active skill that you can you can have like, like your hot bar on it. Um. So when you do a class, you actually have the, the, all of these available to you. So when you do a class, you have, uh, once they're leveled up, you have four perks that stack onto each, uh, onto each other. It's not one or the other. And then yeah, you can select one skill out of three from both archetypes. So you have one from, say, Hunter and one from, say, Challenger. You know? um, so the, that, that's kind of the first uh, point of, like, okay, what, what kind of, like, build do i want kind of do i want a, like a more close range build do i want a more uh far away do i want something uh, like a hybrid do i want like a, a like a sniper medic for example so like you want to do a class like hunter and medic and like the things to consider uh on that end um now when it comes to like what you can equip on your character this actually makes a huge difference as well um and of course you have to like, your standard armor There's no armor bonus sets, uh, armor set bonuses like in the first game, which was like, that became kind of a big focal point for a lot of people, and it kind of became kind of like a a painful thing because if you're trying to get like an armor set for a a specific build, you have to go try to like farm this set of armor, and if it didn't drop, you have to kind of like reset like kind of like that realm for for your end, and I'll get into that later. Um, But like armor set bonuses were always kind of like a pain in the ass in the first game. Uh, to, to go towards. So now, they got rid of armor set bonuses, but you still get... you still receive armor, but uh, armor um, is... only really affects like the, the, its armor value, obviously, and its weight, so, like, the, you know, if you equip heavier armor, or, uh, it'll give you more defense, but, like, the, the stamina penalty for your... whatever your encumbrance is will be higher. Um, it also affects, like, elemental resistances as well. So, like, if you're going, like, for a lightweight build, uh, melee build, you know, you you want to put on light armor, and so like you're you're t- consuming less stamina if you're doing melee stuff. Um, and if you want to do cosmetics, uh, like for appearances only, if you like that, what it looks like, that's fine too. But um, you know, but it, it may affect things like, let's say I have an amulet. Like you can equip one amulet and up to four rings. An amulet's effect might be like if you're if you're at this certain weight class, it might affect. Another another attribute. So, like, it might give you bonuses for like being like over encumbered. For example, if you're over encumbered, um, it might it might give you like an additional defense buff, or it might give you an additional attack buff, or it might like affect reload speed. You know, like, there's all like there's kind of that makes like what makes accessories and items interesting is like there's the like a good chunk of them is like a lot of if then statements. Like, if you're uh, doing this, then this will happen. Like one one of the um, accessories I found was like. I forgot if it was an amulet or a ring, but it's like if you have a shield active on you, it'll uh, increase um, like the your mo- your weapon mod power by this percentage as long as you have a shield applied to you.
0: Josh, Josh. And so Josh, yeah. Are you, are, you, are you telling me that uh, you know equipment can do more interesting things than like reduce cooldown by a second and a half? Uh huh. All right, so uh-huh. they're, they're a little they're, they're a little bit more than yeah. stats stat sticks, huh? Yeah, I
2: mean, oh, you know, okay. the, the, that's pretty It's, it's possible. It's, it's possible for uh, for an RPG to like you know make its uh you know its equipment interesting and exciting to like you know explore like different things around it.
0: All right, that's that's um, pretty
2: neat. Yeah, it is. So like you know like the, the like even like like things like rings and amulets will have like interesting effects and apply interesting effects. They're not just like stat statistics. Sure, there are like a number of them like uh, like will be like increase all damage you put out by seven percent. But then there's like more specialized ones that like you know might be more synergistic for like the build that you're going for. Mm -hmm. So uh, on top of that, you're like like in the first game you have like a primary weapon, uh, like a secondary firearm, uh, and um, and a melee weapon as well. And each of these can have like a weapon mod on them. Like I don't know, I don't know for if like if like starter melee weapons can have a weapon mod, but definitely like like melee weapons that like you're you're crafting from boss materials do have a, a like, a, a mod on them. But you can have a mod, uh, like a, a mod on them, and you can have a, a new thing called a mutator um, as well. And uh, what, the, what these basically are are, like, kind of, like, the active skills that you can, like, toggle on on them. So, for example, I have this um, long gun uh, rifle that I have on, on me. It's, like, a pretty special one I crafted for a boss material. Um, it has, like, it has like a ten, 10 bullets for a magazine. Um, and its special power is like it'll like astral, it, it'll like it'll like make my character kind of look like it's like uh, has like a transparent celestial thing going on. But the main uh, the main thing that it's doing is like it's putting me like into another realm in which my gun has infinite ammo and doesn't need to reload for a set amount of time. So that's a really good mod for it. You know, if you need to like you just start wailing on something and you're trying to burn it down as fast as possible, hey, okay, flip that on. And uh you're good to go. And then like and then this is uh it comes back after like a certain amount of like um hits or normal hits again. So you know, the the of course there'll be like traits and like you know accessory effects and sorts that like can can affect like hey, your your mod generation, you're increasing your mod generation, uh so you can get it back you know faster, like if you interact with other systems as well. And then like another thing, another weapon mod effect, for example, will be like um like on my on my side sidearm like a, it's kind of like a double barrel shotgun almost, but it's like a pistol, um, and like it can it can fire off like a, like a, a shotgun of lasers, and it, it has two stocks of it too, so I can fire off two two stocks of that laser shotgun, and but it doesn't uh, take from away from my max ammo, so it's like a, an additional two two bullets that uh, as a result when I flip that on, um, and then and then you have like a mutator uh, on these that can like affect like different things about it as well so like a a mutator can be like hey every time you need to reload um your um you uh, put a shield on like a temporary shield on or like if for like a melee mutator might be like for any every hit that you um swing and uh, make contact with an enemy it gives you like a, a buff that can stack to a certain percentage right so like for for an example, like a, a build that I was doing, because like, like to kind of paint a picture of like how do this, these how do these different all these different aspects of character building work together? Like what what does a synergy look like, for example? So I, I, I found a unique gun very early on. It only contained one shot per magazine. It's like an arbalist, but the, this this one shot will bounce between enemy nearby enemies and walls for a certain amount. Um. So it paired really nicely with a ring that gave me a shield that activated uh, once uh, 75% of a magazine was spent. So of course, every time I shoot this gun, 100% of its magazine was spent until reload. So uh, I, I, I got that shield. Uh, I always got that shield pretty regularly every time I shot. So now on, uh, on top of that, uh, there was an amulet that I wore. Like, it gave me buffs to that weapon's um, mod damage because I had a shield up. So now that that mod that, that weapon's mod was basically if it was up, it would mark anything that it would like bounce off of. So like it, it, like say I shot like a three enemies and it bounced off of them once, it marked them, and then I could like rain down like a sword move on them uh, because they were marked and it would hit all of them. And if I had a shield up, it would buff the the damage of that sword uh, weapon mod uh, that came from the heavens. And then additionally, the mutator on that gun, you know, buffed the first shot that was fired off of anything after reload. So anytime reloaded, which is always after a shot, it would buff the first shot. And since there's only one weapon, one shot per magazine, I would always shoot that buff shot off of it. And that's just like a very, very small example of like how you can synergize how you're building your character, what they're wearing together, or what kind of build that you're going for. And not only that,
0: but with something that initially seems like a like a weakness, where it's like, oh, this thing only has one magazine. That's going to be some drawback that I'm going to have to contain with. They're like, no, not necessarily a drawback if you find stuff that synergizes with it well. Because yeah. if if you find something that synergizes with the first shot in your magazine or when your magazine is fully used up, then you know those all factor in all at the same time.
2: Yeah. So, uh, uh, and that's kind of the, the the flow of the game. It's like it's a very replayable after after you're done with like a realm and like in a campaign you can open up to adventure mode and you can like re-explore that realm but like under a different seed that's separate from the seed that you got in the campaign so let's say i i wanted to go explore more of the sci-fi world but i already explored as much of, uh, of the seed as I, the as i could in my campaign i could start that in adventure mode and explore a new seed of that sci-fi world that wouldn't affect my campaign progress uh on that or if you want to try a higher difficulty, you can actually re-roll your entire campaign progress, so you wipe the slate clean and basically start a new campaign, but like on a higher difficulty, if you want to, if you want a higher challenge uh, for yourself. Um, I don't know if there's like any locked items on like higher difficulties in this game. I am aware that in the first game, like if you played on hardcore mode, there would be some items. I, I, it wasn't like game shaking or anything, but it, I am aware that there were like some some items that were like locked behind hardcore only in Remnant for the Ashes. I'm not sure about this game because, you know, hardcore is going to be tough to do. But it's hard to do in these games. You die a fucking lot. <laughs> you die a lot.
0: Uh, I, I forget if it was in voice chat or something that like you just threw in a Discord chat, but if I remember right, you, you, like, you either started the game on the normal difficulty and you're like, wow, this is way more challenging than I thought, or you started higher and you're like, oh, wow, this is a bit off more than I could chew. But it's, It sounds like in general, it's just a, a pretty darn tough game yeah
2: it's a, it's a it's a i started out veteran uh, solo um that was really hard because the enemies hit hard in that and like you had limited of course you had, when you're starting out you have very limited healing items early on you have very limited firepower and what you can do and like it, it was it felt very over my and then like i it out the survivor which is you know is technically the lowest difficulty but it's like kind of very suited for solo uh and that's still tough. Like uh the 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 enemies still uh like still hurt uh in that mode. Just, you can't you can't you can't just run and gun it and be like all willy-nilly in this game. You have to be have to play very deliberately in how you approach things mm-hmm. uh in this game. So that's uh, so that's like, you know, that's how I was able to observe like, hey, what are like kind of differences in like what a, uh, uh, a new playthrough is compared to my last playthrough. So like when I re-rolled the campaign, I started a new in a new realm. When my second the second realm that i uh interacted with i um i entered it but it was like i at had at a new starting point in that realm like that i, I didn't did start at the same place and like and even then like the main story things that you do in uh in a in a given realm could be totally different totally like different. I,
3: I, yeah for example um like um there's this one like one of the three main worlds can be completely and i mean completely different Based off of what the game rolls for you, because essentially there's this like power struggle, and the game can roll you to before the power struggle or after it. And that completely changes pretty much everything about that world because like the basics of the world itself get changed.
2: Yeah. The, the, like, I want to hear like what your, what your experience is so far, James. Like, we pl- we co op a little that one time, but I, we, we I did want to
0: ask like how the co op worked in general.
2: Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's very it's very easy. like it's very like you hop into a friend's road or like you can have, open up to the public and like you're, but your 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 progress is separate from there. so whatever you get from there, like items and stuff, you take back with you in that into your uh, into your game, so like anything that like discover it's it's, it's with you, but like their their, their campaign progress, you're, you're progressing their campaign, it doesn't affect your campaign progress if you're a guest.
0: Uh, no, okay, Just so it's, so get, it's like, similar uh, as being a spirit, and so I hate to do this comparison, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's similar to being a spirit in Dark Souls, like you get some materials and EXP from it, but uh, it doesn't affect like where your progress is at.
2: Yeah, yeah, because your 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 campaign is unique and your own. It's your own scene, so mm-hmm. that doesn't that that won't affect it at all. So like even like quest items that you get, that's only for that world, and like when you come back to your world, you still have the quest items that you had on you before you went on. Uh, into mm-hmm. that world, yeah. So, h- how about you, James? What What do you think about this game so far?
3: Uh, it's great. I actually uh, did finish it last night. Nice. Um, man, a lot of the bosses in this are like insanely good.
2: Uh huh. Uh huh. You're talking. Yeah. yeah, you're you're talking to me about a certain uh, boss that you encountered somewhat early into the game. That was just like this—the is the funniest boss fight I've fucking played.
3: Yeah, and it is. It's like yeah. uh it's it's early enough that I think I we can like mention yeah. it and it's not really a spoiler, but basically after you finish your first world that's that's world for your campaign, you get sucked into this kind of like nexus uh world and the boss for that world is um okay, so if you want to get to the center of it, there's like this like, set, like labyrinth sentinel. And what that sentinel is is that there's just like, a giant, like, basically, like, Rubik's Cube that that floats up above this, like, rat maze type thing. And then it splits off into smaller cubes. And then your goal is, okay, there's, like, these um white cubes sticking out of the sides of these cubes, and you need to shoot them and not get squished. Shooting the white cubes on one of on any of the cubes that are, like, actually in the maze means that if that side that you shot rolls over, you can be safe because it makes, like, a little, like, divot in the cube. But there's, like, a whole, like, um, there's a whole uh, method of uh, making sure you're keeping track of where each cube is, also accounting for the ones in the sky that... If you stay in a in one specific like in any specific place for too long, that'll become a problem. And it's just like a really fascinating boss fight where it's like it's non traditional, but it was a lot of fun. And it was like really really funny. Like actually uh, going through it,
0: my brain is yeah. like trying to remind. My my other half of my brain isn't there like some Mario 64 boss or Mario Sunshine boss that's like the same sort of thing? It's like a rolling tube or a rolling box that you have to find like the divot to stand. It's I'm it's similar. Sure Mario it's, has yeah, like, I think it's part of like Galaxy. That. Oh, okay. So not yeah. not not quite as old then.
2: Yeah, but it yeah that it it's definitely carries on that sort. Like it's very non traditional. It's not like what you expect a boss fight to be. Like you know, there's there's like a, a boss that I had like on a, on on my playthrough. That like what? Well, what if its main mechanic is like you can't look at it. Like or else you, you would uh incur like a, a unique debuff that builds up and you can't so you can't when it's do, when it's doing that, you can't look at it, but it's also its most vulnerable. Uh it's a, when it's at its most vulnerable as well. So it's a pretty interesting um thing going on in that. And that that's kinda that kinda uh goes for like a lot of bosses this game. It's like very non-traditional, very like unique in like what you have to do. There's definitely Certain bosses have like, like multiple phases, and like any of these, that, that's kind of like the 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 nice thing about like wandering into side areas as well, because like you won't always have the same bosses in each playthrough, you, and there'll be and there are many bosses I did not encounter on my first or second run through the game. You know, like the, the, that's kind of the, the nice thing about this because like you just don't really know what to expect when when you uh like have a new seed for a realm and. And that that makes it exciting. That like there'll be uh, there'll be uh, like entire areas where you're just like, what is going on here? You know, like uh, when uh, James and I co op, there was like this whole section where like we had to like kind of book it through it throughout it, and like our frames were fucking like dying because like a lot of things were going on in this uh, specific instance. But it was like it was a very hectic thing. A lot of things were breaking down in the environment, and we had to like kind of haul it uh, throughout the, through these doors. Cause like there's like a like a, a looming threat in the environment, and like that feels really cool. And like experiencing that with other people is just like it's a joy. It's just like it's just uh, that's that's how I can really how I can really sum uh, summarize this game. It's, like, it's just a joy to play. Like it does have like you know its flaws. Like its story is whatever. Um, you know there there'll be, there'll be some, some sometimes like you know you'll kind of get kind of BS. Like you know enemies respawn behind you during like a reinforcement phase. Um, you know, and that that's kinda sometimes it's kinda b s on like what 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 actually kills you, but overall, it's just like it's just a fun experience and like and and it feels gratifying to like explore different builds and different ways you play this game like my like the the how I played it solo and how I'm playing with friends right now is like totally different like I switched on my archetypes, I switched on my my whole uh accessories and what weapons I'm using. And my whole approach to combat is very different, and like and my modifiers and everything are very different. And it feels really fun to engage with that kind of stuff. So it is definitely a, definitely a kind of like action R K field person shooters, and you like and you and you like really rewarding, uh, replayable experiences uh, in a way that like you're you're constantly like kind of inching towards like uh, different builds and different uh, ideas on how to build your character and kind of sort of defining like how you want to play like i I highly recommend this game i it's just it's just a lot of fun to just play on a moment to moment basis so it's it's really cool it's really cool what the gunfire games uh has been going for in uh remnant from the ashes and, remnant, and now Remnant Two
3: yeah it's really interesting too because like uh even on like the uh forget the exact name of the place but the very like f- uh far far future like uh techno uh world. Nerud. Nerud you beat the boss, or actually no, before you fight the boss, you interact with the terminal, and there's just a regular terminal you can interact with, but there's also a slot for something, and I don't know what that something yeah, is. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And it's like, it makes me think, could you just skip that boss entirely if you go through the process of getting this like hidden item that you can slot in there or something?
2: There's also a bit of Resident Evil in this game as well, for like, like I, mean, I was uh, going around this uh, another realm with some friends, and like, we came across this locked door, and we had no idea what to do. It was like after this like a somewhat annoying jumping puzzle and and like we just didn't know what to do, so we we, we kind of you know didn't mess with it for a bit. then we came across across this quest item, and like I was like, does this work with the door and it's like no like it's it's not showing up what's happening it's like we're just scratching our heads over it and like you know next day this morning, you know, my friend was like, "Oh my god, you rotate you you go to inspect and you ro- rotate." that quest item that we picked up and it turns into a key like you notice it's a key and and that registers it as a key and that's what you use to open that locked door or and and even that aspect like when it comes to like a storyline that like um we try to figure out who the imposter is among like these these like three like rulers uh there's like a, a narrative going on inspect this quest item and like under like at the at the Underneath, like that item that you pick up, there's like a symbol, and each of these like rulers is associated with symbol. So, um, this quest item, uh, if you look underneath it, it shows you. Oh, okay. The, like when I'm accusing one of these rulers for something, I know it's because of, like uh, of the quest item I picked up and their symbol was on it. Um, and uh, so, like e- e- even stuff like oh, you have to go kind of inspect your items and see what did you miss. You might be missing like a, a, a key to something or like a, a missing component to something simply because you didn't, like, rotate that item around and actually clear, like, closely look at, like, What do it's you actually mean
0: by out. rotate the item? Like, in,
2: inspect it, like, in, like, a menu? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you go to the and you inspect it, and then, like, you see that item up close, and then, so you rotate that item in your menu, and then, like, you'll see, like, hit it, like, different details on it, and, like, might tell you different things on it for certain components of, like, what you're trying to do Uh, in that in that realm, like, whether it's, like, a puzzle or something.
0: That's really neat. That almost seems like a, like adventure game-ish.
2: Uh huh. Yep. So it's kind of neat. And so that, yeah. So it's so, so Remnant like it, it's, it's juggling a lot of things around that, like different genres, different components of like different genres. Uh, but it does it really seamlessly, seamlessly and really well. Like it's very well thought out. And like, Remnant Two is bigger and better. It is way, 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 way prettier. Like I think it's still using the same engine as the first Remnant, but they just polished it the fuck up to like. The nth degree, like it looks so much better.
3: It's actually an Unreal Engine 5 game.
2: Oh, is it? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, I will say that the game's performance, because it's Unreal Engine 5, is pretty intense. Uh, like it absolutely expects you to be using like DLSS or FSR. So, um, yeah,
2: yeah, it's defaulted me to that right away. So it, it, it does kind of lean on that. It also, like e- even like you know that there are some like sequences where it's so chaotic and there's so many shadows going on. like it just it cannot maintain the frame rate. Like usually for me it can it can it can maintain like a, a pretty frame rate, but there are just some activities behind these doors that just like th- there's so much going on that like it just cannot it can it just buckles under the load. It's like okay, yeah, <laughs> we can't do this.
3: <laughs> yeah, apparently there's like some set like set locations where um shadows for whatever reason are like absolutely decimating the frame rate. So, mm. if you're having performance issues, maybe set shadows to medium, that might help. Mm-hmm. Uh but also basically I I'll, I'll say this and I'm I'm sure you probably agree. DLSS is really good in this game. Don't be afraid to use it.
2: Yeah, yeah, the the integration like the of
3: it is like the, the
2: there's very like uh, for me is a very clean image and like uh, there was it like a lot of this game like I like the visual fidelity, like, remains consistently high for me um, under DLSS. Like, it's... Not, don't be, like James said, don't be afraid to toggle it on and kind of fiddle with your settings. Like, it, it's well-optimized. It's a well-optimized game. Like, I, it, just, it, just, but it, it just... But at times, it is so ambitious that, like, it is... It just, it just crumbles.
0: Is the multiplayer of this game limited to two, or is it up to three or four? Three, three. three players. Yeah. Is it cross play or is it not? You know,
3: it is I'm... not cross play. Uh, that is the one thing that I would say is a major issue with this because it's mm-hmm. like you're using Unreal Engine 5, you're using Epic Online Services. Why aren't you having it be cross play? It's a co op game,
2: yeah. That, that is weird. That is not cross play, but that, uh, that's that's uh, that's what they're using. So, um, I, I don't know if it's a, if it's a, if they have any plans in the future to do to do that as well. I don't know what their po- post launch, uh, i know i know the first game got some dlc updates i don't know what they're um obviously this is probably gonna get dlc as well but i don't know exactly how frequently because with the with the way it's like presenting itself it's like it's like establishing a solid base that like is a pretty complete game from top to bottom but you know the, it'd, be, it'd be pretty easy to build on top of this with like entirely new realms and new content and new activities
3: I, so i have we'll a say. question for you uh, josh mm-hmm. yeah did you ever figure out how to open the one funky door in the labyrinth? The one that has the 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 one that has like all of the like red corruption artifacts around it, but looks exactly like the ever portals to the ever worlds.
2: I didn't know. I didn't actually figure that out. I have no idea. Um, maybe someone will figure it out. I have no no clue. There are definitely parts of that labyrinth area that like that just kind of blew my mind because because they're like some portals in it that like kind of flash and like to different places and like yeah and and, like the the way you navigate some parts of that environment is like kind of lining it up with like
3: uh, like not only not only the
2: like the the correct image that's showing at the portal but like when you decide to go through that portal as well to like maybe slingshot to other places
3: yeah can i also say that like some of the puzzle solving and like platforming this game is like really really good like in uh losman i think that's the name of the uh like uh the, uh, yeah, song. Yeah.
2: yeah I know what you're talking about.
3: Uh, there's a giant clock tower, and there's a quest that I found where I was like, okay, the clock tower's stopped, and the reason why is that apparently, as it was moving, it basically made it like a magical hotbed, which basically made it like attracting all the like all these enemies. Uh, so the person that was in charge of handling it took a key gear out of the mechanism. And dipped. And you can find where where he lives. And it actually says, hey, so I so I hid this. Um here's how you need here's how you'd actually be able to open this. And the puzzle basically revolved around here's a cuckoo clock. And you need to figure out, okay, what time do you need to set the cuckoo clock to actually open it up and get that gear? And it turns out that you actually need to go to the clock tower and look at the physical. Like actual time on the clock tower and that's the time you need to set um, set it to, well, set the cuckoo clock to in order to get the gear so you can slot it in and so that you can get it running again and that will get you a bunch of cool stuff. Oh and,
2: man, I, I, yeah, I've never seen that before. That sounds awesome. I, I, I hope I encounter it uh, eventually. That sounds great.
3: Yeah, and then uh, there was another thing in uh, Narud where um, basically... There's this puzzle, like this area of puzzle where it was revolving around. There's these like orbs that you slot into these like kind of units to open doors or supply power to doors. And I was on the bottom floor and I noticed that that behind the statue, there was actually a node for one of those orbs. but I didn't know how to get there. So I looked around and I saw, OK, there's a hole in the ceiling behind it. But how do I get there? And It turns out that one. The trick was you need to hold on to one of those orbs, and there's an elevator going up. But if you let it go up and then jo- um, jump off, you you can look underneath, and there's actually a drop down to the floor below.
2: That's insane. <laughs> that, that that just reminds me of like uh, one of the earlier things that I, I experienced in, in Los as well, where like there's this event where it's like it's basically a, a, a gigantic like like. A room like a square shaped room but like you you were talking like this like um kind of like this the a dude that's not doing well let's say and kind of not there in the head but um what you basically had to do was like you had to get uh, like possessed by like a a spirit or a fairy of some sort and navigate that whole entire like uh square room that's kind of sectioned off by like these sewer canals that slowly raise yourself uh, uh, raise themselves through levers that you have to you, you hook up, but you have to basically uh, like guide that 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 spirit that's possessing you back to that person, and then you can choose to like hand them over or not, and like you get different rewards uh, depending on what you decide to do. And it's, like a pretty intense uh, section as well, because there's like enemies constantly and elites constantly spawning, and that's also another aspect of Remnant uh, from the ashes. Uh, that also goes into into remnant 2 remnant 2 that i i I remember it's like it's not only the way that like you sometimes you complete quests that have different rewards but sometimes um how you beat bosses um earn you earn different rewards as well so like there might be a thing about the boss that like hey maybe you can just rush down this boss and not uh, ignore this mechanic um um and that'll give you a different reward so let's say like there's this like uh this uh big root nexus that like uh, that's kind of standing in the middle of this are- arena and like you're you're slashing away in it at like at different HP intervals. Like new reinforcements will spawn, and like the safer route is to like you know take care of the reinforcements at uh, those waves, and then uh, and then veil at it. And then after another HP interval, reinforcements will spawn, and then you take care of them. Uh, depending on what you do, you'll get different rewards. Depending on like if you just rush that uh, root nexus da- uh, down and just deal with all the enemy adds after, it's like pretty tough. Uh, because everything's just spotting on top of each other. Or if you take the safer route, you'll get a different reward. Uh, uh, and then, you know, obviously going uh, safer. Like, it's not even, it's not even just like one, one reward is better than the other. Because, like, you know, maybe going the safer route might be better for your build, depending on like, what, what thing you get out of it to, uh, compared to like rushing it down, which might be like, beneficial to another type of build uh, so... of character.
3: There's a lot of different, like, there, I, I would love to see what the, like, branching paths are for, like, all these quests. Because there was this, um in the forest area, there was this, like, forest spirit that I talked to and, like, had this whole conversation with before I beat, like, I, like, challenged the boss. And then when I challenged, and I found out that the boss itself was basically just a shade of of her sister like completely corrupted nothing else is there and they're like after i beat that shade i was able to talk to the forest like guardian and i just straight up was able to give them the ring i got for beating the boss and doing so i got a unique like crossbow from Mm -hmm. them as Mm -hmm. thanks
2: yeah i I know which one you're talking about yep yep and you can and you can choose to to keep that ring and you know maybe that maybe that ring could be used elsewhere or you could use, or you can keep that ring if it's beneficial to your build there are even there there's even like um like say items like say like you you get a helmet but it's just it's just a helmet and there's not nothing uh, there, there's nothing else uh with it there's no like gloves there's no coat nothing else you you sometimes you can just like get like a like a like a like a helmet and like what that what that what that signifies to you is that oh if you if you get like this uh, this helmet and nothing else, like because usually armors come in sets in this game and like all drop together. But if you only get that helmet, you can actually uh, there might be like an NPC that you could talk to, to and if, if you if you speak with it only with that helmet, like if you have that helmet on, you might get different responses or that conversation might go up, to, uh, end up being different because you have that helmet on. So it's kind of like a quasi quest item as well for uh, a certain way you interact with NPCs. Because that, that, that is a known thing Remnant does as well. So it's like like the there's I think there's a tweet or a message from the from the developer before this game came out where like they put so many like elements in this game that like e- even no one internally, even like their playtesters that are like play this game for over 400 hours, like no one has like hundred percent of everything there is to be to be found in this game
3: yet. Um Yeah so. and and a lot of times you'll see you'll see people say that about like uh, procedurally yeah. genera- generated games. And I'll just say this: I mean, this—if you didn't know ahead of time that this game was procedurally generated—I don't think you would really. It would really register because it just works that well in practice.
2: Yeah, the way that they made it a lot more seamless, these environments—they they made it uh, well, 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 way more uh, natural and organic feel. Uh, in terms of exploration, compared to the first game, like it is, it is very impressive. Like I, I am having a blast playing this yeah, game.
3: <laughs> you it, put another way, um, listeners, you will be hearing about this game during the RPG of the Year deliberations.
0: Oh, yeah, you think? That, that, you think I, that
2: I, I, I think. It? It's, yeah. I think I yeah, I think very highly mm-hmm. of it, and that's that's neat that James thinks highly of it. I and like. It is easily in my top ten personally. Uh, I, I have to think about if it's in my top five. It has it's it's it yeah. has a strong shot of being there. But like I I love playing this game, and I, I recognize that it does have faults, it does have flaws. But the moment to moment gameplay is just so fun. And like for me personally, it is like a breath of fresh air, like in the action RPG space. Because after playing, um, you know, Diablo four and FF sixteen, like I have more fun with this game than I did with those games solely because like it lets me inter- engage with it and like in a in a pretty cool like rpg fashion like in like like character builds are cool and gratifying and the way to like achieve those builds is by playing more and more content of this game and like the things that you're doing in this game is not is not always the same as like what you did in your original playthrough by its nature so like it's and it's just like seeing these things play out like differently as i Play with other people is like it's like so cool and like the and like I, I always have like different ideas of like when I get like find a new ring a new amulet a new weapon like I always think about like oh I wonder if I could use like a, this archetype with this like gear setup and like how they would synergize with another you know and like that's that's what I come to RPGs for is like thinking about those types of things of like how do I how can I play this game differently how can what what sorts of like builds and class can I make and like. Will will they will they work with each other in a way that is that is like theoretically in my mind? Does it work like that? And usually the answer is yes, it does in this game. I think the, la- the
0: last game that I played because that's actually not an easy thing to land. You talk about how you know there's the screen in quotes, like, you know, games that put like superficial RPG elements or they have a very rudimentary like trait line or like skill points or whatever um but the one a game that actually makes it compelling and actually feels like you're playing you are assigning something that fits your build in a way that's more than just marketing gobbledygook the last game that i played that actually did that for me i think was um actually the division 2 mm. for, mm-hmm. for as much as yeah. we kind of like something, it's been it's been a while this is more like a, a like a mid 2010s uh talking point about like the the ubisoft feel game Where they all kind of feel like different flavors of the same idea but i remember like in division two once you decided like what sort of weapon you wanted and what sort of build you wanted to do you'd want to find like gear sets that really amplified okay i'm going to do a build that focused specifically on burning okay when i burn enemies this gives me additional properties okay this is something that that assists me in that specific type of gameplay and the way that you're describing the the system in remnant 2 makes me think of that as something that like all right this is something that doesn't more than just skin deep and actually feels you know, like it's rewarding yeah. to, like, tinker and play and find something that works for you. And sometimes you'll try something and like, oh, that doesn't work. As, that's not as effective as I thought it would be. And then sometimes you try something and like, oh, actually, this might actually have something here that actually is really, really effective.
2: Yeah, and just it's a, it's a lot of a lot of experimentation, a lot of tinkering, a lot of, you know, just, you know, just uh, no, no two people's builds are going to be the same in this game. People people value very different things and how they want to play those games. And this game rewards that and encourages that.
0: Are we going to do a formal review on the site? Or are we just going to leave it as like a podcast impressions? I, have, I know, have do we not know yet?
2: I have a review draft up that I already sent to Adam. So uh, uh, it, it's in the works. Yeah. gotcha. Uh, I, yep. I think very, very highly of it. Surprising because yeah, I,
0: because I, cause I, uh, I know I I was out of town for a bit, so I wasn't following all the conversation. But sometimes games like this crop up, and I'm like, should yeah. we do a review Should we do a review for that? I don't know because we don't have infinite time and there's not an infinite number of us, we got
3: to pick our battles. Well, and like, yeah. Nope, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. But thankfully, if, if, they if, Josh, up. if Josh hadn't done a review, I probably would have, yeah, yeah. Mm. just yeah.
2: The, the, thankfully this game is like it's like it's it, like it doesn't it, like it doesn't feel like it's wasting your time as well it's not like an epic 50 plus hour campaign it's like it's 15
3: in, 20 hours for the average first campaign
2: I think. yeah first campaign and like you know and they can always and but like the, the replay value of it if you want to see more is that will take a lot of hours because if you really want to see what more this game has that that you know you're, you're not going to stop after your first initial playthrough you're going to keep on you know re-ro- either re-rolling a campaign or doing adventure modes. Of the realms that you, that you explored, or joining other people and seeing what their what their you know what their campaign progress is like, uh, and so forth. So no, it, it's really it really it it's up to you how you want to play this game. And, and the and the nice thing about it is like you know if you're on defense, it's not it's not it's not fully priced. It's just fifty dollars, um, you know, for for the full for the full game. And you know for for the, what you're getting out of this game, that's. Kind of a steal <laughs> compared to like other other releases that are like at 60 dollars, honestly,
0: remember when all wow. p c games were fifty dollars that was just a full price p c yeah. game
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, the next game that we have on the list to talk about is I believe uh Josh put this on the list, even though it's a game that I normally attribute to Chow, and that is I hope I get this right fake grand order. So this is the mobile game yeah. uh in the fate universe that I that Chow, as far as I understand, plays all the time but doesn't really like. <laughs> That's my impression. Uh, I
1: did not play this all the time. I, I played this game from the beginning from up to at least chapter four. I mean like the fourth singularity or whatever it's called. And man he did, the story four meeting he, he,
2: he didn't make it past like uh like uh the 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 But it gets early. good because it, 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 its its weakest parts are, are 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 its most early parts because it, it fucking sucks because like when they, when they initially developed that game it's like oh you know we'll just kind of put like a throwaway storyline in it until it made a shit ton of money it's like oh shit it's making us a lot of money we should probably put more effort into like this game so you know so basically
1: um, from what I heard from the community it's like it doesn't get good until they got Natsu back to write it for them. It, he carries this entire franchise on his back. Well, it is his baby in a way.
2: I mean, there are, there are there are good stories in it that aren't written by Nasu as well. It's just like the strongest ones that people like are from, you know, the, the original Fate Stay Night author. Um,
1: uh, I, I think the shit-tier story is like the... I think it was like the Abigail one or something?
2: Is that wasn't written by him, so there you go.
1: Yeah, but that's why I hear that was the shit-tier one. Like, some people, like, that story made them, like, quit the game almost or something. Like
2: Yeah, Gartha sucks. Okay. So... Why, why are we bringing up this fucking godforsaken, like borderline infamous, if not infamous yeah. game of like? Yeah, it, yeah, it, Josh. It, it, why are why are we bringing up this? Godforsaken yeah. This is the
1: trash tier it, scam artist game, but it has a good storyline.
2: So a, a lot of people, uh, I, I'd say over ninety percent, if not like ninety nine percent of the people who play this game, do it because they like the story. Like it, 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 it definitely has its fair share of like, um really good main storylines after you kind of get pushed past like the really awful first part of the game. Um, so the reason we're bringing this up is in the global version of the game the, with the English script and everything, um, It re- the, recently the most recent story arc that came out was this, um, they, they call it uh, the, the Ava- Avalon the Fae uh, story arc. It is uh, the sixth part of like the second arc of this game because there's like the first arc which is kind of which is mostly trash until like the fifth chapter in it. And then it starts, it, it kind of has like a pretty strong finish. And then there's like this um mini transition uh arc called the Epic of Remnant, um, which is the uh, has four main stories that attribute to it. And then after like this like kind of 1.5 story arc, there's like there's like this uh second story arc part two of Fate Grand Order, which is uh uh talking about like these things called lost belts. Um and basically in the, in this uh, whole thing the the premise behind it is like kind of the world kind of stopped one day where like the end of the world happened, the whole entire earth is kind of bleached, and there's this foreign god that like threatens kind of this whole storyline, and so what you have to do to kind of un kind of undo the world ending essentially is traveling at these things called lost belts. And these lost belts are kind of—they're mostly self-contained stories in which a lost belt is how do I explain this? It's—it it gets weird. Lost lost belts are basically entire timelines, alternate timelines of the entire history of Earth, and like a big what if. If what if how ha- something that happened uh, ended up differently, and how this whole timeline would go. So what the what the fuck does does, does that mean? So let's say um in i'm trying to th- think of like like I has
1: free routes no and all free is canon
2: no 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 so like let let's say greek mythology the the age of gods you know about ragnarok you know about you know odin you know about um all sorts of stuff uh
1: that that's Norse mythology. That's
2: Norse mythology. Sorry, I'm getting my fucking mythology. Norse mythology. Yeah, let's talk about Norse mythology. Ragnarok. Odin. It's a it's a Celtic um, it rolls out the the Celtic mythology uh, and and so forth within this Norse mythology. Uh, I'm getting it all fucking mixed up. But basically, imagine what you what you remember about like the Norse mythology in the midst of Ragnarok. What if a Ragnarok kind of happened too early? What would happen to Norse mytho- the entire Norse mythology? That if if Ragnarok came too early, you know,
1: I, I think that, everyone dies instead. That's that's my philosophy of it. Oh, like they, you know, uh, and, and then
2: and then another, another one, uh, another lost belt could be like uh, about about Indian mythology. You talk about the concept of reincarnation, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, and then in in this lost belt, the the day the the the, the entire. Uh, world is reset in this Lost about every seven cycles, uh, or every seven um, pass- How do I fucking explain this so the, because I'm relying on like like people who are understanding like how uh, the cycle of death and rebirth works. And, and like in, in Indian mythology, there is this whole concept of death and rebirth, and it's done by certain cycles of this mythology. And the, and the way this loss belt works, it is it's actually like a, a literal um, conceptualization of that. Where like in the beginning, and during rebirth, it's all nice and like if there's spring and everything's flourishing. But uh, the longer the cycle goes, it's kind of decaying over time to the point where like eventually, death and famine uh, is very prevalent, and uh, eventually uh, goes goes into the point where like it starts it. In the single blink of an eye, everything perishes and then is rebirthed again uh, once that full cycle is complete. And that is like the, how the Indian Lost Belt is kind of built upon. So there's basically a big what ifs in history of like, what if a certain thing happened at that point and it, it was very different from how we understand it in uh, in myth and uh, how it would end up. It It's very confusing. It's kind of laid out in a more cons- like, uh, better fashioned in long, for sto- long form storytelling. I try to try to give you the big like, kind of try to catch you up before we even get into this. Right.
1: It sounds like a little too big for my brain to process.
2: It, it, it's it's. Yeah, it's
0: I, I played Valkyrie Elysium, I got the gist. Just...
2: Yeah. So it, it's basically divergences in like in in, myth- in myths and in, in legends and what what would happen if like if there was a big divergence like how would that go? essentially. And that's what these Lost Belts are. It's like, it's like timelines that shouldn't exist, um, and you have to kind of prune these timelines to kind of re recorrect what they call proper human history. So basically, restore the world state as we know it right now. Um, so, there's an ongoing storyline in this arc, and finally we reach this, uh, this sixth Lost Belt in, in Britain. Um, and, and once I said, well, once again, these are m- most of them are like eighty five to ninety percent standalone stories. So like you can actually consume it without knowing too too much. Um obviously there are, like there will be some storylines in them that kinda feed into the overall uh narrative as well. So So
1: if you're saying like alternative Britain, so is it like alternative like king offer and stuff? Is that so yeah, so yeah so yeah
2: so I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, but note that there will be some spoilers for people who are still reading this and might be listening to us and like, hey, I haven't finished this Lost Belt. So, I, I, to make these people understand, I will have to spoil some parts of it. It won't be big, but yes, there there is... One of the main mysteries in this British Lost Belt, when you first come to it, is why are things the way that they are? Because this is a a, a version of Britain that is ruled by fairies, um, and in class in it. Humans are basically the sl- slaves to fairies in this realm. And, and fairies and fairies come in many forms. Fairies, I'm sure, when you're thinking about fairies, you're thinking about like what looks like a person, but they have wings. Uh, you know, or sometimes you might be thinking about fairies like oh, they kind of have like a different colored like green green skin. They they're they're, they're peace loving. They have wings. They're kind of annoying when you see them in other uh, stories. And so forth, but that—that's like one clan of fairy. Because in, in this in this fairy land of Britain, there are six clans of fairy. You have like you know what we you think about is like the wing clan. There are other things called like the the the, the fang, fang clan, which are basically beastmen, uh, but they're still considered fairies. You have um, the, uh, a clan of fairy that's like the the wind clan. You have um, the the mirror clan. You have. Um, there's like another uh, one other clan, Earth clan that I'm thinking of. So your your group of people kind of invade this British Lost Belt, and you don't know what the fuck is going on. You basically it kind of, it kind of starts as an easy story at first, where like you you land on uh, you uh, come up on shore, and you drift into the nameless woods. And your char- your your uh, group, which is like your main character, uh, Mash, which is kind of like the the poster girl of Fate Grand Order. Um and Da Vinci, it is not Da Vinci as you know it. It's a, it's a, it's a. It's a, it, More it like a, Mona I, I,
1: Lisa, basically.
2: Yeah, it's the idea. It's like it, like it, like it's kind of like the what I their interpretation of Da Vinci in which, like, this is what Da Vinci aspired to be, which is to be the Mona Lisa. So, like the Da Vinci, in this game is kind of like the the personification of Mona Lisa. Um, but like because of the story, like the the uh, like at first it looked like the Mona Lisa, like a mature woman, but then like things happened in the story so now it's kind of like a, a young uh, da vinci is now a young girl uh in, in this game it, like it, at the start of the second arc actually so that's kind of like your main um group and then uh for whatever reason like this will get explained uh, you know in, in the story uh but like tristan from the knights of the round table uh is also like is preemptively summoned like the, even though they weren't trying to summon him he's kind of gets summoned so you all drift into the nameless woods and you, you soon like kind of get wrapped up to this fog into the point that like you get separated from each other You you don't remember each other anymore. You kind of wake up in this tent, in this like nameless woods fairy village, but everyone has lost their memory in it. Um, so it's like humble beginnings. You, you meet an, you meet an alternate, alternate version of who they call Altria in this game. So for people who don't know Fate Stay Night, in Fate's Day Night, uh, you meet, uh, you, meet uh, you summon King Arthur in Fate's Day Night, but King Arthur is uh, a girl in it. Um, and, and, there, and Fate's interpretation is like, is like what if the myth of King Arthur, instead of like, uh, King Arthur, instead of being King Arthur and being born as a man, they were born as a woman, but because they have to undertake the responsibility of becoming the king of the next king of Britain, uh, the residents of Britain would never um, agree with a female ruler so um king arthur and uh, the fates interpretation is like what if uh king arthur had to uh hide being wo- a woman so like they were born as a, as a female but they, they had to hide it from everyone so they uh, come off as like you know uh, having a more uh boyish look to them so they have to pre- present themselves as a man to everyone to undertake undertake becoming ruler uh, and that and that, and in fate's interpretation of it, so we we are introduced to this uh, version of uh, Altria, as they call it. instead of Arthur, it's Altria. um but it is not the same King Arthur that you know in mytho. it is it is a version of uh, uh, Altria that um, that had that that is very young and had to undergo un- undergo uh, their pilgrimage first. so like before, before they even like become ruler, uh, in this version of Britain, this version of Britain is all already different because the ruler of this isle of Britain is Morgan. And Morgan in Mythos is King Arthur's arch enemy. It is that Morgan is basically someone that uh, believes that they're the rightful ruler. They're kind of the, 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 chi- the child that um, was kind of... How do I explain this from Mythos? Morgan was kind of supposed to be the ruler, but then Arthur t- took the, their rightful right as ruler from them. So, in 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 this alternate Britain, this British Lost World, Morgan is the ruler, and the kind of I, I won't try to summarize the entire story here because it'd be way too fucking long. But basically, you eventually regain your memory shortly after, and you swear to. Um, Help Altria complete the, uh, the her pilgrimage because you're you have this prophecy that you're working under, and in this prophecy, yeah, the the child uh, there's this child the child of prophecy in which they, they they are destined. It is their fate, their destiny to go ring the the bells of pilgrimage all across Britain before they confront the the ruler of the throne, the the, the, the rightful ruler of the throne. So you travel around in the first part of the story to all sorts of, you know, lands in Britain, Gloucester, Wales, Norwich, Londinium, um, and so forth. And along the way, as you're assisting Altria with their uh, pilgrimage, you are learning about each of the six fairy clans, and you meet their rulers, you meet the way that they're governing their towns. One of the rulers is like an entertainment district in which, you know, as long as people are having fun, they are... um, all equal under it meanwhile there's another town where it's uh very very strict with like you know that that the humans are the the slave class fairies are like the the you know are managing them and uh you know you're you they're they're keep they're basically keeping humans around because for their culture humanity's culture because fairies don't have to eat you know that they and and fairies like fairies are very stuck in their ways um they have no need to advance culture, so they keep hum- humans around as a sort of like source of entertainment and like for I- innovation. So, like for example, the the concepts of cathedrals and religion. Um, fairies don't practice religion. They have no need for cathedrals, but because they like the like the what cathedrals look like, uh, you know, they build cathedral they, they build cathedrals because they kind of like the look of them. But they don't, they don't practice religion, you know. So they're kind of sucking off of like hum- humanity's innate. Um, Need to innovate and come up with new stuff, and like that's their source of entertainment. They're kind of feeding off of humanity's culture from them. So that kind—that's kind of the basis of like how society functions in this Britain that shouldn't should never have been. It's kind of kind of like a land of lies, almost. And and what what I really want to try to drive home here is like like this is, unironically kind of the best story chapter i've seen in the video game this year because along along the way you're learning so much about the world the culture it, it is the it is to the point that like when you're traversing across like story nodes in that map there is a note section that that is like a pretty much a timeline it gives you a note uh, notes about like the entire history of like the isle of britain but since you don't know a lot of it a lot of it is like blank and and then it'll fill out as you progress the story more and like the the final point of that timeline of like 12,000 years or so the final pip of that is like you arrive in Britain that is the final like everything there's a lot of things to learn about like the history of this isle of Britain and then the final point of that time is like you arrived in Britain your your group has like arrived in Britain um so and a lot of the the history and uh of Britain that you're learning as you're progressing through the story is like is key to everything that is happening. Why did this of Britain come to be? What is the reason? Why does the Child of Prophecy exist? What is the reason behind her, this pilgrimage that she's doing? Why does she have to ring the six bells before she can confront um, Morgan? Um, and, and then there's this whole mystery behind why, did, why is Camelot um, where Morgan is ruling, why is it built by this gigantic hole in the world what is this gigantic hole and wh- for what reason does it exist and it is and a- along the way you're meeting new new characters that are relevant to this story eventually like you meet someone like like percival for example he's the leader of the round table army uh you meet uh these uh knights called the tamlin that serve under morgan but they t- have they, they have taken uh They have taken the name of um, that and identities of like knights of the round table, as you know it. So like Tamlin Gawain, Tamlin Tristan, uh, Tamlin Lancelot. You know, Uh, they 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 are loyal servants to to Queen Morgan. But who are who are they? What are their true identities? Why did they even? uh, Why why even have this system of Tamlin names for them? And that's all thoroughly explained as well. So, and it's just, it just does a good job, like, um, explaining different points of contention and different story events from multiple perspectives. Like, there, there is a specific storyline between Tamlin Lancelot and one of the heads of the clans, Aurora, you know, and kind of the true identity of Tamlin Lancelot and how they were found, uh, from their perspective and how they felt about it. And then later on, you kind of get Aurora's perspective, and like what what seems to be like kind of like a really really wholesome like story point from the, from Tamlin Lancelot's perspective is definitely more twisted in Aurora's perspective because Aurora is very comes off as a very reasonable fairy at first when you first meet her, and from like outside glances and from your perspective, but then you start learning more and more about her from other perspectives and how even she even sees herself. And what and what her, you know, ability is, and it just it it it, it touches upon him a, lot, a lot about like very classical themes and and twists them in a very smart manner. So, for example, Altria's outlook on her bells of pilgrimage, she's unwilling. She she like she even says it herself. She doesn't care about really the land of Britain and its residents. She knows she has to save it, but she's kind of unwilling because she it, it feels like an insurmountable task. Like morgan queen morgan is many ma- much 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 more powerful than her and like and she's kind of like i don't really want to go through with this but i guess i have to do it for the good of the people but it's it's more so it's more of a selfish desire to see it through than more so than anyone else's and 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 the and the story really deconstructs and really goes and analyzes over like like the, the whole concept of like an unwilling chosen one because like yes she is the chosen one but. Does does she really want to go through? it? Because like she she knows what she's striving towards, and you don't know that for a very long time. But as you as you kind of unravel like the layers and layers of like why she has to undertake this journey and what it uh, and what it means, like you understand like at the very very far end, it's like oh, this is the reason why she was so unwilling to do this and why she was so hesitant to do this, and like she eventually she sees it through, but. It kind of sucks that she has to do this, and you you understand why very, uh early, like way later on. And this is not even touching upon like store like big story relevant characters like Oberon, Gareth. Like who are they? Where do they come from? Why, for what purpose are they here? And what purpose do they serve? And it 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 does a really good job introducing new characters and introducing arcs and relationships. Um and it it feels like they're they are they're not just throwaway they ha- they have their they're not just narrative beats they're not just narrative tools they all have like their own arcs that they under undergo and they see through in a pre convincing and natural fashion like this like the script for this story or the storyline uh, like like the original Japanese script is like the people have done like kind of you know how how many characters? How many lines? How many like it, like the, the entire length of the story is longer than the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it's well, just I remember like, seeing
0: it's, that on Twitter. Yeah, I, I didn't realize what they were talking about, but now that you've kind of teed me up and kind of described it, like what this is, like oh okay, that's what they were talking about. That's crazy. How long of it? Like how long does it take to play through that? And if it's that uh, like that it, dense, it's,
2: I I don't know my exact playtime of like just reading alone in it, but it's easily like a. Forty-five plus hour read on wow. text alone.
1: That's a very long read, but yeah. would that be way longer because there's probably like battles and all that stuff that you have to yeah
2: do yeah right. too, yeah yeah you, you still there's still gameplay nodes that you do uh, undertake as well. So uh, obviously the overall time is going to be very long. And I'm just really really impressed by like how everything is introduced, is fleshed out, and it's like and it's like it's not even more equals good uh, and more is better, right? Like, it's very easy to, like, fall into that trap of, like, oh, because it's, like, it's so lengthy, like, you know, so more is better, right? And it's, like, no, no. It's, like, and actually it makes smart, enormous length to really dig into why things are the, not even just why things are the way they are, but, like, how the characters feel about it, what they think about it, and, like, and and because of their backgrounds, why they view the world the, the, the way that they do and it makes smart use of that link. And it feels it feels cohesive and it feels it feels so fleshed out and well thought out. And like I wish I could really put into like words right now and even into the text, like to even like do it justice, <laughs> pretty much, because it is it, it's just so well thought out. I don't know how else to really describe it. Like there's even like a whole storyline between like Percival and Tamlin Lancelot and their relationship. Um because like they're kind of childhood friends, and why things had to end up that the way they are, that they're now fighting at each other, how they both like kind of um see that like they like they don't really cry and whine about it. They're just like kind of, this is the way that things are, and it kind of sucks that we have to do this. But you know this is the way that things go, and you know I have my responsi- responsibilities. You have your responsibilities, and it's just that's that's. How- that's how things are, you know. I, I can't, I can't turn my back on my people, you know. As just as like how you can't turn your back on your loyalty to the queen, because you know, you 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 have your own reason for being loyal to the queen, um, you know. And then I I I think about like kind of just all the all the tragedies that happen in this like this land that's not meant to be, um, and there's not even touching upon like. All the crazy shit that goes down, um, narrative beats goes that there's like halfway through the story, um, there's a calamity that occurs uh, on the city of Norwich. And you're trying to drive it back, but in the prophecy, it's saying, no, Norwich is wiped out. You know, like, it can't, it can't, like, this, this calamity does not start until the child of prophecy steps foot into Norwich, but the child of prophecy has to step foot into Norwich to ring its bell. Um. So, but you don't know that this
0: has to this has to happen, basically.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like you don't you don't know that. Like that part of the prophecy is not known to you. Like Oberon is keeping that under wraps because he knows that like if you knew that part of the prophecy to like uh, to altria and your characters, like you wouldn't step foot into there because because like you don't want that calamity to happen in there. So that's why he 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 um. He knew he knew that the calamity would begin. But only when the child of prophecy steps into it. But he he purposefully um, does not tell you that. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he do that? Who knows? Like, like you know, he's like he's a good guy, right? What? The, wh- why, why? Why aren't you telling that us that? So after, so you know, things happen to calamity to the point that like something a big narrative major shift happens, and like you're, you you finally get reunited with Bash. 'Cause you and Mash are separated for this for a good chunk. And she's kind of going through her own personal story as well in this arc. And something happens and she's and, and we're just just as you're reunited with her, she gets teleported right away because of one of um one of Morgan's like um treasures. And the things that you learn to where she's teleported, like fills in a lot, a lot of like why is Morgan the way that she is. Why did why why did why did she become ruler? Why is why? I'll, when I'm talking about like the chronology of this world and like the notes and the timeline that like you're presented, it's like there's two different eras. There's the Fey era, and then after, uh, and then eventually the the Fey era ends, and like the era of the High Queen begins. So you can think of this as BC and AD, you know. So there's a very specific reason for why the fey era ended and why the era of the high queen begins in this and and understanding the chronology of like events that happen in the fey era into the era of the high queen and what happens in the era of the high queen is pretty key into why well everything is the way it's supposed to be in this version of like britain that's all wrong pretty much and I'm just really, really, really a repress, Like I could go on and on about like why I like this, but I just think it just does such a, a, a smart job of like combining different like narrative not tropes, but na- narrative tools that like other stories have presented and like it juggles so much and yet still pulls it off between like like an unwilling chosen one, you have this cold ruler and redeconstructs like why Morgan is is a cold ruler. Uh, and the way that she is. It deconstructs like you know um even the clan the like the fairy clan heads of like why they are the, the way they are why is like the head of the Fang clan so um so fiercely loyal to the queen they have history and like he, he's he's still well respected even though he's a hot he's still well respected like kind of one of the key founders of like why this this fairy society functions the way it does. Um it, it it it's also a good character study of like um God, so many characters. <laughs> it's a good character study of like oh just Altria. I, Altria is such a a fascinating character in it, and like, I I'm just I don't know. I was blown away.
1: You know, you you got me kind of curious to to see where it goes, but I think I'm just gonna YouTube it. up. I don't want to deal with the fucking gameplay. No. That game. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah that's the that, that that that's the that's the other part of this equation. That's like that's the, the shame, right? It's like the barrier of entry to this story is like it's it's way too much for a person to ask because like the, getting up to this story is like it's going to be a lot of like really like really bad game to get up to this. Well, that that story. was even
0: my last question. Like, is this set up in a way where you can just Start there, or do you no, have to like? Oh no. no, there's there's four arcs you got to go through before you. Yeah, you have to
2: get to go through the whole, the whole entire uh, uh first part of the game. uh can, can for you, once,
0: you, I agree. Just just YouTube.
2: You, <laughs> you can see you can skip one point five. Um, oh, okay, and then but you start to uh, uh you start to play the entirety of part two up until this point. So like just like that, it, it's such a shame that like one of the best stories in games this year is just, like it is locked behind like a one a free to play mobile gotcha game, which you know sucks. Um, two, you have to play a lot of that free-to-play mobile gacha game, to Get up to it. Um, well,
1: Fate fans are uh, going to crucify uh, you for saying uh, the uh, gameplay uh, sucks. <laughs>
2: I mean, it it does suck. I'm not not going to shy away from that. It fucking blows, dude. I hate it. I
1: know, but it's like, those people, they're they're ridiculous. They'll be like, oh yeah, it took like three years for them to like add a quality of life feature, like the back button, and the Mm -hmm. fucking fans on Reddit would fucking defend it, saying, oh, you should make better decisions so you don't need to use a back button. I'm like, who are these lunatics? You
2: know? It's like, like, literally, man. And like, like, even like, I didn't like, one, it's going to be a lot of YouTube uh if you really want to go down that route, I, I I think I think experiencing it through YouTube would be kind of miserable because you don't have like the exact like text settings.
1: Yeah, you kinda uh, uh, but... had to like press the button to skip the text a little bit. Or it's nah, not nah, nah. well not like, even guy well, I don't know, like I've seen like one grand blue story because I didn't have the character because you had to unlock the character to get the story. And it's so so painful watching on YouTube because the person seems like they read the text so slow. It takes like almost three hours for that guy to finish a story that only takes about twenty minutes to read.
2: Yeah, and, it, and even then I have to like result, like pull up the log a lot and like it like uh, to like understand like the context of like why like uh, what what they said and like kind of scroll up and like revert to what they said earlier. Like the, the the text is dense. Like it's pretty fucking dense. Like it, like it's it's well localized. Like the, the hats off to the fucking localization team for this Herculean effort. But like the like, it is one of those kind of stories at times where like you kind of have to like kind of reread stuff to like understand what's going on and why why it's go, why 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 are things happening that the way it is? Because like when, when you're explain like the mechanics and of like how this how things operate and like what the timeline is, you kind of have to. Kind of scroll back and uh, and uh, and read back of like okay they mentioned this earlier okay this makes sense and I, like I had to do that like a handful of times to kind of fully wrap my head around of like what was going on in terms of like in terms of there's a lot of weird time shit that goes on okay of what you what what narrative beats you're dealing with. The and way that, you're
1: describing that, this sounds like Final Fantasy XIV Echo. The main character would constantly get these headaches, and then it gives you a flashback to give you to explain people's backstories for locations where the MC can't be at. Right? So,
2: yeah, I mean, like, 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 Percival's like backstory with Tamlin and Lancelot. That's kind of like him talking to himself and reminiscing. Like, it's not like something conveyed to the character always. It's more for the reader's benefit of like understanding like why Percival and Tamlin, Lancelot, what their background is with each other why they're so conflicted about facing off against each other when they first see each other in the story again. You know, you don't have that knowledge as a reader. So that so the story will actually like, you know, give you a little bit like introspective. And Percival Percival's thinking back to like the first time he met Tamlin Lance a lot. Um and what the what their um experience was growing up together as childhood friends and so forth and like even like small stories like that like it it left me captivated it left me really like um it gripped me i was like oh okay this is why this is really interesting you know and that's only just one one part of the cast there's like another part of the cast like you know the whole storyline behind like who oberon is like why you know well, why are you so cool? I guess
1: <laughs> I, I can't stand his art. I looked at it; and it's like, man, he looks so out of place in the fake I
2: love I, love I love Oberon's art. He's really great. <laughs> he's he's one, he's one of my favorite characters in that whole fucking series yeah. already. No, I, I
1: don't know. Like, if we're criticizing art, I I feel like certain characters do look out of place. It's like, oh, this I guy know. look like that, and this guy look like this. Like, oh,
2: so um. I, like, I, I guess there's all just team up saying like, kind of uh, like uh, you know vocalizing like, hey. It really sucks that like secret one of the secret best stories games this year is like locked behind this. And I'll write something I, up about it that's like more eloquent and more elaborate and look, more uh, the, the uh, be- better I, spoken, not, the be- better better conveyed than like what I'm speaking here. You know, like
1: I, I'm not surprised that it has an excellent story because that's actually the selling point in certain gacha games too, right? It's like yeah. people just seems to like you know turn off because they heard it's a mobile game. They can't possibly have a great yeah. great story. But you know, like one of the things we heard last year, one of the best stories we heard is in yeah. Nikkei, apparently. So
2: yeah, know. and people still really like that story too. So right. you know, it, uh, I think that's that's kind of like the the always an uphill battle trying to like try to convey it to people, you that, know, that
1: there's actually something good in there.
2: Yeah, there's something good in there, and the, and 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 for this one, it's like no, it's actually better than like fucking every story that I like I, I played in a game this year, straight up, and it's not even close. You know and it and but how how do you how do you how do you convey that to people i'm not saying to any of you here but the, the people who are like already biased against like you know these types of games these types of structures
1: uh and just that's... give up, just just gatekeep <laughs> them. i mean it's better you protect their wallets from them
2: <laughs> maybe maybe but yeah i mean that that's just the, the i I finally finished it uh reading it like earlier this week it was like a very intense multi multi-day read of like me, just hours. It's just me, hours staring at like you know text, pretty much. You know, it's a, it's a lot of reading. It's a, it's a, it's all, it's really only for like, hey, if you really like good stories, I you know, if you're really if you if you're willing to suffer to get good stories, um, is a better way to put it. And yeah, I I hopefully I can find the words to like kind of express why I really like that story bar justice because I probably Watch super it. mangled. yeah. Why I, like no, it no,
1: I, it. I really i really was interested hearing all this you know it's like i i do like fate i just don't like the mobile game that's about yeah, it right? yeah that's just me right it's like yeah you could you could tell me everything that's like perfect but the gameplay sucks and the gotcha shitty it's like how can you convince me to play this game yeah
2: <laughs> right? i don't i don't blame you i don't blame you but yeah the, so that was yeah so red dead 2 and then take that's you know, that's what I brought to the table this week. Yeah, that's uh, two extremes.
0: With that, like I went kind of the opposite direction. Instead of playing something specifically a story, I spent the time this week. I kind of pre- gave a prelude to this at the very start of the podcast. I went ahead and grabbed Dragon Quest Treasures, uh, which I always thought of as kind of like a, a fun little interesting concept of a game. It released at a good time on PC, like if it released any earlier or later. Uh, it's going to get very crowded later in the year, so I figured hell, I'll boot it up. Um, you know, Zelda, we've already kind of talked about to death on the podcast. Uh, so I figured I'll talk about my time with Dragon Quest Treasures. And I know that Adam was also waiting for the PC release for this game as well, so I don't know if he talked about it last week. A little uh, bit, he did. He's like, uh, he
2: said read about like, like, you know, it's a pretty, pretty good uh, PC port, uh, a
0: nice about the settings that he wasn't expecting, um, or the PC port. Uh, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to like then just give double, you know. Okay, no, well, i did not talk about the game itself yeah. much at all oh, okay because it, it had just come out like the friday before right so yeah you know, so dragon quest treasures i am not a big dragon quest fan i have i am very much like a basic bitch like i play dragon quest 11 as like my first dragon quest game so i i don't have a favorite game in the series other than my default um i don't have any experience with like dragon quest monsters uh you know that sort of thing so i am i am not a uh a source of good Dragon Quest opinions, I suppose. But Adam is. He's played a lot of them. Um, and I know Dragon Quest Treasures is just a simple spinoff, but uh, I went ahead and figured, hell, it's not supposedly not that long of a game. I'm going to you know, try to get it wrapped up before all the September games hit. Obviously, it does star characters from Dragon Quest Eleven, even though it's uh, kind of en- entirely self-contained um, other than that. Uh, and I know, obviously, it was originally started as a Dragon Quest Monsters game, but kind of ended up getting spun off into its own thing. So uh, just to tee people up very quickly, uh, Dragon Quest Treasures uh, stars Eric and Mia, who are two characters from Dragon Quest XI, uh, both both has children in this game. So it takes place, I don't know, about a decade or so before the um, Dragon Quest XI, even though even though I say it, t- it takes place beforehand, it's that's really just by default. Just the fact that it's the same characters, only their children, like it has nothing to do, I, at least as far as I can tell, in terms of like, actually, these events that happen before the events of Dragon Quest XI actually matter. It's not. As far as I can it's tell, not, it's, it's not n- like it's not like oh, this is canon and this is exactly what happened to Eric and Mia before the events of Dragon Quest Eleven. It's just kind of like some interpretation of the childhood of these characters, right? Semi canon. Like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this game is very. St- it's got a lot of like dialogue and characters and. It, but it's story light in the terms that in the terms of like telling a narrative, it's more just for like the flavor of it for interacting with like interesting people. But in terms of like, this is a plot progression, you know, a a climax, a denouement after that, it's, it doesn't seem like it's really that sort of game. So Eric and Mia basically are, they, they're on board of like a, a Viking treasure ship, but they decide, Hey, you know, we, we, we want to get treasure of our own. Cause you know, uh, you know, the, we're young and we want to prove that we can do it too. We're just as good as everyone else on the ship. So after some in- initial events, uh, they basically find themselves on a series of floating islands, um, which I kind of knew about from the marketing. But one thing that I had either uh, glossed over or forgotten from the marketing is that like these these floating islands are like, they're kind of like, this is going to be a very silly comparison, but it's where I'm going to go. It's kind of like the Bionis and Mecanis of Xenoblade one mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like the, it's like the husk of two fighting Titans only like you're like crawling around on their heads and on their backs, They're dragons in this case. And it's a very simple premise. Very early on, you find like a mural and it's like, there's these legendary artifacts called the seven dragon stones. And there's like all these different treasure hunting organizations that are trying to find all the treasure on these islands, the cream of the crop being these treasure stones. What if we were to create our own treasure crew and find them in and like, yeah, hell yeah, I want to do that. I want to find their seven dragon stones before everyone else does. And then there's just like, so you're like, well, cool. What do you want to call our gang? And the default name is like Team Treasure. And I'm like, sure, I'll go with Team Treasure because I'm not more creative than that. Um, and then one thing that actually kind of surprised me that I wasn't expecting is that the very f- like the first like 90 minutes of this game are pretty like scripted. Like It's a lot of tutorialization. It's not too overwrought. I know I might say 90 minutes of tutorial and people are like, ooh, that sounds terrible. But uh, it's actually pretty well-paced and it's, uh, it exposes you to a lot of the ideas pretty quickly in a pretty natural way. And then once that clears up, once you finally like get the game opened up to you, it kind of just lets you go. And it's a thing that I say all the time uh, on this podcast it's just like the game just shuts up and lets you play it's like all right you've met a bunch of characters you kind of know what you want to do there's uh there's a bunch of different tasks that you can kind of do there's there' sure there's like a, a main quest like there's like a it's got a quest log like any good rpg and they, these are like kind of like subdivided into like um Rail car quests. There's rail cars between the islands and adventure quests and then like side quests or like little daily tasks. But the main quest basically will have like generic options for you, like improve your treasure rank or recruit certain monsters or things like that, where basically you're going to accomplish multiple objectives just by picking a location, pinning it on the map, and just like heading out and going that way. So this isn't like the sort of game that you can just critical path. Like I'm going to just ignore the side objectives and just follow the main waypoint because the main waypoint There is no way main waypoint basically. Yeah. It's just kind of like find treasure, recruit monsters, do some side quests, uh unlock different capabilities. Like you'll you'll have like a home base and you'll unlock different shops and different uh different capabilities uh on that front. Uh you'll you'll find different team compositions. Eventually so you'll be able to like st- have your team that's uh so it's you play as either Eric or Mia they're just stand-ins for each other it's basically just uh, do you want to play as the boy or the girl avatar um, and then you have three monsters that join your um immediate party and the, the monsters will have obviously like different spells and capabilities and then then also like different traversal mechanics like the ones you have early on are base, basic slimes that you can like bounce on to jump higher and then you get a basic uh, Dracky bat that allows you to glide farther um and then you eventually get different ones that can like scan the location or sprint forward or things like that. So they have like different sorts of like traversal mechanics or things like that. So every once in a while, you'll want to like change up your party uh, for various reasons, including that. But then you'll, you'll be able to send um, monsters out because obviously you're going to recruit far more monsters than you can actually like use in the direct moment to moment gameplay. So you can kind of like create different sub squads, send them out, get treasures. um, so these treasures are both just to like improve your treasure score. They call it just like a gang rank. But also there's certain times where um, different side quests will say like, hey, you need to give me a couple of these items in order to like rebuild this train car or whatever. Or they'll say, I want you to recruit this specific monster. And in order to do that, you need specific items. So you have tons of incentive just to go out and gather gather stuff. Um, it's a sort of game where every time you see like a node on the map, whether it's like mining ore or um like a a blooming flower or whatever it's usually in your best interest just to go pick it up because you'd never know when you will when you'll need it just to step back a bit you were Mm -hmm. talking about how the game just sort of lets you play Mm -hmm. literally once you get past like the tutorial it's like there are six other islands you can go to any one of them doesn't matter yeah there's no like island one island two it's just like you can go to the fire island you can go to the uh the Moor Island, like it's like a, like a little marshy. I wish the islands had a little bit more like visual distinction to them. Some of them do look a little bit samey. Uh, but then I went to one that was like the back of the cinder dragon or something like that. And that one actually looks a little bit more like a desert. So it actually be like, oh, OK, this place is actually visually distinct. But at first, a co- there's like the mainland island and there's like the, the starting island that you go to that. I Honestly, I'm kind of like I'm forgetting what they're called and. What was specific to each of them because they kind of did look a little bit samey, uh. But in general, like the game obviously is not. How can you how could you forget the island called Patternogan? Patternogan, oh, because it's the head of one of the dragons. Yes. Okay. Um, but it's obviously not a two of an intensive game. It's got a very clean art style. Uh, it scales really well. I assume that most semi modern PC can run it without uh, any issues at all. Uh. They, they, they,
3: considering it's a uh, switch game
0: <laughs> yeah that's true uh and one thing that i was actually thinking when i booted this up on my main pc i was like you know what this would be a perfect game for steam deck and i'm thinking like wait i could probably just have bought this on switch a few months ago right and had uh mostly like a comparable experience but it'll always be nice to like have a high resolution and a good frame rate i'm not 100 percent sure how it runs on switch but it seems like in general it's a The way that it is kind of set up is just kind of like, hey, do you want to go on a treasure hunt? Go anywhere you want. Go out, spend 10 minutes hunting some things, gathering some things, come back. Very good uh, pick up and go game. So I could easily see why this was kind of targeted to like a Switch audience first. And if you grab it on PC, uh, very good candidate for a Steam Deck. I'll probably install it on my Steam Deck before the weekend's up, uh, to be honest. Um,
3: it It is verified, so... Yeah, Uh, and can we just can I just say that Square Enix has been surprisingly really good about supporting Steam Deck, at least on the games that they release on Steam, like uh, in general, like pretty much. Yeah,
0: I I played Live Alive on Steam Deck. Uh, I hope to play Dragon Quest 3 on Steam Deck, talking about Dragon Quest uh, and Square Enix games, Uh, though, um, you know. They have kind of you should their...
3: play Octopath too if you haven't played it already. Oh,
0: I have played that, and I did install it on my Steam Deck. I think I mostly played it on my PC just because I wasn't using my Steam Deck much at the time. But I did play a little bit of it on my Steam Deck, and that worked. That was another real good game for that, as well. Excellent game, by the way. Um, I'll just shout that game's praises whenever I get the chance. Uh, so yeah, the, the the main moment-to-moment gameplay in Dragon Quest Treasures is you'll have your little uh your your little group of of monsters and they kind of like follow you around and kind like a in like a blob like you don't just run like in a straight line like Final Fantasy VIII style or whatever but you'll have like your little slimes bouncing along if you have like your golem with you or a drake will fly behind you it's actually kind of like um there's actually a lot kind of going on on the screen at any given time especially if you like go into combat with like several monsters at once there's like the action like this game is not a game you play for its combat it's very simple it's some very basic action combat you have like a single attack button you've got a dodge roll you can pull out your slingshot which i guess this game is british so it calls it a catapult uh i'm not sure if that's what they call it in england or if that's a translation thing but they call it a catapult it's a slingshot that's what i would call it um and you have some different uh options there you have some slingshot attacks that do general damage you have some slingshot supporting abilities that allow you to like heal your monsters hp or mp um you can like use slingshot different types of pellets to um help yourself recruit more monsters so there's uh there's a lot going on at any given time when actually like when i got into like my first major battle and when i say major battle it's like my four monsters versus like two monsters on the battle or whatever on the screen Like I wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be surprised if the switch did struggle with this a little bit because there's actually quite there's a lot of moving parts at once. Um, it's nothing too intricate or complex, but I was actually a a little bit uh impressed by just how much was going on. And in in addition to that, because all of the islands are made available to you at the same time, every single island has like different regions that are scaled to different levels. Like you'll find an island, and like usually near where you land. Um, there'll be monsters in like level five, 10, 15 range pretty early on. Um, but every Island also has like, Oh, if you go up to that, you know, that level of the Island, everything's around level 30 or 40. If you go down there, they're even higher. So there, there might be like a preferred, like, Oh, the average level of monsters here are higher than they are here, et cetera, et cetera. But. The game is pretty flexible in terms of like, what do you want to explore first? You'll find something productive to do there. Usually if you just pick a direction and go, you'll find something that will um, uh, make progress to at least one of your goals. You're never going to be just locked um, and completely stuck. Uh, The treasure, of course, I feel like you would gain a little bit more from. If you are a big Dragon Quest fan, because a lot of the treasures you get are like, here's a statue of a certain character. or Here's like um, some paraphernalia that is related to a certain event of another game and things like that. And I saw a few things that I recognize just because they're pretty um, well known. Got not quite a statue, but I got something that had like a depiction of the Dragon Quest three. Sorry, not three, eight hero with a bandana. I got a few other characters, of course, that as not a big Dragon Quest fan, I didn't recognize, but I'm sure Adam did. So uh, there's a lot of fan service there. So it's one of those things where you probably get a little bit more out of it if you do recognize that stuff. But from a gameplay standpoint, you you grab treasure while you're out in the field. There's two different types of treasure. There's one that they call bric a brac which is basically just treasure that you can just stumble upon. You don't have to like radar or search for it. Um, You'll just kind of stumble upon it and pick it up. And then there's like the regular treasure that you have to have appraised where you'll find you'll have like a a fortune finder mechanic, which will give you like a compass arrow that points you towards where the treasure is found. The monsters that you have with you will help you locate it. You dig it up and then you don't know how much it's worth until you bring it back to the to your main base. Once you do, like, some of the some of the values are pretty crazy. Like, this treasure's worth 500,000 gold. They're like, oh, shit, this treasure's worth 1.5 million gold. So, like, I'm not that far into the game. Maybe, like, five hours. And, like, my rank, I'm rank four. I don't know. Or, sorry, five. I don't know how high it goes. But my treasure trove is currently worth, like, 11 million gold. Um, so, there, there's, it has kind of, like, that, uh, brain rot fill bars feels good sort of uh tickles your brain in the appropriate way I guess uh in terms of like yes making progress yes make bars go up this always feels good so that's it's kind of it's kind of good and like a little simple check your brain off enjoy enjoy making bars go up uh sort of feel to it in terms
3: overall, of overall oh, go though, ahead the
0: structure of the game and just like the combat stylings and the I know the combat's pretty simple but and like kind of like the the objectives and how you basically progress the story and whatnot it's 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 a pretty unique game, all things considered. Like, there's not really much else kind of like it, you know? It's not just like a clone of some other type of game or, oh, it's just an action RPG or, or what have you. It's It's sort of its own little thing, and it's kind of neat. You know, I'm not going to say it's like an excellent, you know, top-of-the-line, top-notch, you know, Dragon Quest entry, but it's kind of just unlike most other games. It's a little bit of its own unique flavor, and it's pretty cool. It's kind of sandboxy in a way um in terms of just like the the environments are actually like geometrically and visually they're pretty simple um because you know the art style is not that uh i guess intricate it's it's but it's good like the simplicity is part of its charm like i'm saying i'm like saying that as a good thing but like some of the like the level design there's a lot of elevation there's like ramps and cliffs and you have to make sure you make good use of your monster's mobility um there's little uh, little secrets that if you like look under a ledge, you might be able to tuck under it and find a treasure chest, things like that. So the environments are actually pretty detailed in terms of just like how much stuff they kind of pack into them. And you'll have like little side quests where you'll be tasked to find like a certain type of material. Like I had a I have a side quest where I have to like find different balloons that I have to like shoot at with my my little catapult and they're kind of tucked away and are a little bit um hide and seek sort of things. It's it keeps your brain engaged in a pretty good way. There's 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 even though the the concept is simple, it's p- kind of easy to pick up um and then the gameplay sessions, like the gameplay loop as much as I don't like that term, is pretty quick. Like you go out, you come back, you go out, you come back. Each loop takes maybe 10 to 20 minutes. Um it's just kind of engaging and fun like in a very simple way. In, in a game that I'm like, yeah, I could see myself uh, plucking away at this, either for like a few hours because I really want to make some progress, or like doing a few treasure hunts and then logging off and going back to Zelda or whatever. Like it seems like it's a really fun pick up and play, engaging game that's just kind of charming and simple, in in a good way. So is it gonna be like, am I gonna be shouting this game's praises for game of the year? Um, no. Could it be in like my top ten for the year? Of course. I'm still pretty early, so I don't want to like declare too much but first impressions are pretty good of course the last time i said that was for uh <laughs> uh my asthma chronicles a very different sort of game but that game like when i went to its second act really kind of soured me on it so that game i think i was the first to talk about on the podcast i'm like yeah the first impression of this game is really good and then i played more i'm like Ew. so i'm always a little bit a little bit hesitant to like say that again but this game of course seems like it's a little bit more purity of purpose in terms of what it kind of very clearly shows you very early what sort of game it is and it's not going to pull the wool over you at least i don't expect it to i guess i'll report back if it does um i obviously so this game originally came came out in december so this isn't a new new title um came out on the switch page reviewed it for us back then so that review is back up on the site but i don't think anyone on the podcast played it at the time so i'm okay kind of talking about it uh last week and this week uh, as we went into the um the pc release and just kind of give some impressions some voice uh on the podcast here all right we did earmark one more game on our little outline here but i don't know if we knew how long the first three would take in our discussion but uh, hell,
2: I'll over very, very briefly yeah I why not of, let, let, let's, let's
0: not let's not talk about it it's from a major uh, mm-hmm. uh rpg ip uh-huh. uh very hot new release oh yeah you know biggest release of the summer yep and that, of course, is Pokemon Sleep. So that's right. Th- finally, we can go to sleep. That's right. This, th- this game was in development hell, you know, for a long time. We we're all e- eagerly anticipating it since. OK, enough, enough being silly. Uh, all right. Pokemon uh, Sleep. I've actually seen. Um, obviously, this game was announced a while ago, did kind of go dark, kind of a very a lot of questions like, what sort of game is this? What do you do? And then it kind of it did. It finally reemerge this year, finally came out. I've actually seen a lot of like. Both silly and serious, like impressions of the game uh, online recently. But I'll still be honest and say, like, I don't. Obviously, I've not downloaded or tried this myself. I don't know what sort of game this actually is on, like, with firsthand experience. Josh, uh, based on my impressions, have you actually tried this, or do you know? I, I've tried have... this.
2: I've I tried three. I've tried it for three nights.
0: Uh, wow. I, I, uh, three three days
2: in.
1: How you doing? Did it
2: sleep? Did it cure um, your asthma? Uh, I I suck at sleeping. Apparently, like uh, after after your tutorial sleep, so your first night of sleeping, um, you know, I, so you should try to like like it tells everyone like you know you should try to get eight and a half hours. Of sleep. Like holy fucking shit, I'm never going to complete this. That's
0: a raid boss.
2: Um, I last I got eight and a half hours of sleep. I it was a bit last year at like a miraculous point or something. I don't know. Um, so what uh, Pokemon sleep is? It's a, it's a very weird thing. Uh, I'd say. It is basically um you it game it sort of games your sleep by well however much sleep you got and the quality of it uh the more like you you the more you can develop or find like you Pokemon and their sleeping type so well how do you actually like kinda game at first so, like you do your whatever tutorials until you know it asks you to go to like you know if you want to progress go to sleep <laughs> okay fuck all right and, and it's what it what it's asking for it's like to do that kind of i don't know it's it's a, a little borderline unreasonable for some people and i get i get it like for me i can make it work but it's f- so in order to like for it to track your sleep well at least for me like you just ha- you have to set it down by your head like uh, when you go to sleep so, but that's normal for me i always have my by my phone nearby when i go to sleep um but it's like it also it's obviously it's like uh, activating like some um, features of your phone, to like, you know, like your mic and like I I think so. And then obviously like um, like some acceleration, um, measure acceleration part of your uh, phone. Um, so you have to like face it down and it recommends you to hook it up to a phone charger um, as you're sleeping as well. So you have like a charging phone right by your head, um, an ideal situation. I uh, know but that, that's also a fire hazard as well at some parts of the world uh you know, and it's just a common fire hazard in general um but you know i the, the, my, my setup i can I can do that i i like I don't like charging my phone when I'm like sleeping unless it's very low battery and not by my head either so I tested it out on my second night, like how much battery charge does it actually take if i like if I just set it down face down by me without uh facing it uh i mean without on a charger? Um, and, like, if I, it went from, like, 70% down to 10% when I w- woke up.
3: Wow. Like, I'm like,
2: Jesus fucking Christ, dude.
3: That's, uh, yeah, I would only play that, like, plugged in. I guess it makes sense, because, like, most people probably have their phones, like, plugged into the charger when they sleep, but. Well, yeah. Josh has said he doesn't do that.
2: Well, I mean, like, I mean, like but, like, I, I tend to not do that. I don't, like, especially not by my head. If I'm, like, if I'm charging my phone, I don't like it to be by my head.
0: Um, well, yeah, yeah. I don't charge it, and also sleep by it. Nah, well, I, I, usually, I usually sleep by it, and that's not that's fine. Yeah. Either I will sleep or I will catch fire. Yeah, so
2: so that that's like their ideal. Like I don't know, if you need to fucking. But like I, I tested it out this morning. it was like, I was like at ninety five percent, and then like, and then it was like down to like thirty percent. So like, it can vary depending on like your phone's battery life and what, however however well it manages power. So either way, it'll take a lot of fucking battery if you don't have it hooked up um and so when i wake up like you know when, before you go to sleep you can set like if you want an alarm um if you want like relax you can play like some people need the relaxing sounds to go to bed um which is fine you know and then this will have like a relaxing sound and like even even if like you can you can set the volume of it like in game but even at like one volume i feel like the relaxing sound is too loud still for that but so, like that's that's weird. I would like expect it to be like way, way like lower. So even at like one volume in game for to play relaxing sounds, I feel like that's too that that's too loud. And, and Wait, I like so the when you say when you say feel, relaxing like like sound, it's like a
0: white, like
2: it white gives you like a, It's like it's like a gentle tone, like a like in you know, a very soft tone. Like I, I I assume like I for me i, I never encountered this, but like, for some people they might need like you know a calming sound to like soothe them to sleep, you know, for yeah. I I I a basically oh, like, have that.
0: Like a white noise machine yeah
2: but but, I, but but I feel like the, like the the sound that comes out of it is like kind of too sharp too like if I if I'll try to go to bed I feel like the like the the relaxing sound that comes out of it is first too loud even on like the, the lowest setting uh, uh and two I feel like it's too sharp of a noise to like so this, hardly sleep to
0: This is a little bit of a tangent but I know like a lot of like Sleeping white noise is like rain, like rain on rooftops, that sort of sound, but apparently some people like like the sound of like sort of quietly cars moving by
2: yeah but it it's like, but it's, but, it's, but, it's, but, it's, but it's but it's even more sharp than it. It's, it' was it's like it's kind of like a sharp tune, like almost more like bird tripping I'm like mm. what the fuck? <laughs>
0: I'm like, I'm like,
2: I'm like I'm like I can't go to sleep with that so. So I, obviously, I I've only been you know really using like the alarm clock feature of it. I, I like I can't, I don't even know what the alarm clock feature of it is because like I always wake up before the alarm clock goes off. So like my body's weird. So whatever you know it tracks your sleep, you when you wake up, you can you can like you open it up and you can choose to review like your sleep data now or later. I usually use to just do it now because I have time. So uh, whenever I when you review your sleep data, it'll tell it'll give you like a graph like two graphs one is like the amount of like REM sleep that you got pretty much like like the amount of like throughout the night like kind of gives you like a like a timeline of like okay you were there's like this is like uh where you had like real sleep in between these times and then the other graph is like um the the sound the sound levels you were making when you're going to sleep and then like what if you if there are sounds that reach over a certain threshold like it'll it'll, like, automatically record it, uh, you know, uh, in the middle uh, while you're sleeping. So, you, you can hear, like, snippet, like, for me, like, I just have, like, a, a list of, like, snippets of, like, between, like, three to four in the morning of me fucking snoring my ass off, I'm like, thanks, game. Fuck. Like, I it some just some people,
0: just... people are like, this This app recorded me farting in the middle of the <laughs> night.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it also records, like, a loud noise, like, like, like if there's, like, a, a sound... That my uh, phone made like a notification sound that I forgot to turn off. It'll record that sound. Uh, for some people, sometimes it, like if there's like a plane flying nearby, it'll might record that sound. It's just basically any sound that that, that reaches a certain threshold. It'll automatically
0: record. So, fun, I, live, I actually video. live pretty close to like a lot of air traffic, and mm-hmm. like I've I've lived here long enough that I tune it out. But I can be like, yeah. oh yeah, I wonder if people want sleep will deal with it.
2: Yeah, like I know, first like some of my friends like you know uh, have that as well. Like they're like, yeah, it's, it just records planes flying over. It sucks. Like I, oh. uh, I, I am too now at my new place, but it doesn't. It, the the place are still far enough that it doesn't uh, record it. Um, but yeah, I just hear I hear a lot of me snoring. I'm like, man, I should. I don't know if I should get that looked at or if I just that's just normal or what. But uh, so and then it um. And then it, and I don't know what how it calculates, but it it, it eventually calculates this into some sort of value called like um, what's it called like, doze dozing power or something like that or, so, some something power or like snoozing power, um, and you you can use that. I don't know how what you actually do with that power, but eventually you you come uh, you'll be brought to a screen in which like. Yeah, there's a Snorlax in the middle of a field, and it's surrounded by uh, some sleeping Pokemon. And this is how you like discover new Pokemon. You discover new Pokemon and new and new types of sleep. So one of them, it could be like I I, like a snoozing type of uh, sleep. So like my first Pokemon that like I met and like is my primary Pokemon is like Charmander uh, because it's 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 a snoozing type Pokemon as well. But then like and then from here on out, you can like discover new types of like sleeping like. Some of them are like totally like BS, right? Just for Pokemon. Like, I discovered a, D- a Diglett and it's like it has an underground type of sleep. I'm like, yeah, I sure will really, you know, bury underground to sleep. So, you know, it's just a lot of like silly ways to sleep like that. Like, um,
1: what's like a Snorlax um, sleep?
2: It doesn't give me like a, I assume it's a, it doesn't give me a type, but I assume it's like a snoozing or dozing type of sleep. But like I, I discovered like a uh, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, what's the name of the poem? Ghastly or what's the un- un- the base of a base form of like a ghastly? Is it ghastly or it, it, is, ghastly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it okay. is ghastly? It is ghastly. Ghastly okay. haunting.
0: Is it? Yeah. Something
2: it's a, so, uh, Gengar. Yeah. So I, I discovered a ghastly this morning as like a snick- snickering type of sleep because it's like smirking as it's like sleeping. I'm like okay,
0: Check, that checks out.
2: Yeah, and then okay. eventually, like you know, you you'll want to like become friends with these like the uh, Pokemon and sleeps that that or Pokemon that you discover. Once you max their friendship meter with like biscuits, they'll like join like your farm and like where you can interact with them and they can drop fruit where you can uh, uh where you can like uh use it to cook uh and um and feed it to Snorlax, and and eventually you're like you're doing like these mini objectives um to kind of progress the base game forward. So first it was like discover like five types of sleep and then um, I did that and then like it kind of moved me to like my first real island off of the tutorial island. And then um from here on out, like you're kinda slowly, you know, making progress by uh sleeping um and discovering new types of uh Pokemon and new types of sleep in which you can like uh feed them biscuits, max out their friendship and bring them back to your farm and then interact with them. And then that and that all feeds into like a uh, like a universal like base power or basic power. Or whatever. I'm not exactly too sure exactly how you like how this all feeds into one another because I, I barely have that uh, app open. I only have it up for when I sleep. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like the what I've learned about Pokemon Sleep so far. And it's kind of like just a, almost like a, a collector type of game. To you're not really doing any gameplay outside of like it tracking sleep. I guess if that's gameplay, and then you're more Pokemon as you sleep that's my base understanding of it and for some reason it has a friends list as well so i just have like been adding friends as well and like you you, you it doesn't have access to like them snoring or anything it just like has access to like their basic in game stats of like here's like the amount of pokemon they've collected and like there's like their power and like their, their their type of sleep and like here's the picture that they chose to to put up of like the pokemon that they found today you know but it doesn't but it doesn't share any like Real life metric of like, hey dude, uh, you you know Joe last night from like five to six, he was snoring up a snow a storm. You want to hear him snorting no, That doesn't share that or anything.
0: He talks in his sleep, and he yeah. his friends.
2: That's right. Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of like Pokemon Sleep, and like for some people, it works for them in in the sense like it it accurately picks up like you know how they're sleeping and for others like it it doesn't work too well because it it wants to like at least have an hour and a half minimum of sleep to like start tracking well. And for some people, like with kids, especially like you know newborns, like it's difficult to get that amount of sleep um like consistently because they're they're constantly being woken up by their kid and have to tend to them and so forth. So it's it's trickier like for parents uh with young kids. Especially like if you're sleeping like you know with your family like it'll track their sound as well too. So it's kind of like it's probably uh, an app best used like if like you're sleeping like alone and not sleeping with like a significant other um consistently. So if you're just like I don't know, single. <laughs> it's a it's a sleeping app for maybe single people, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, that's uh that's uh that's Pokemon sleep and I guess I'll continue to do it until and I don't us, know. Let, let us stop. let us
0: know when you let us know when you conquer that eight and a half hour hill. Oh God, I don't.
2: It's only been six and a half hours around there. Like so, sometimes less, sometimes a little, tiny bit more, but it's been averaging around six and a half hours of sleep, which is normal for me. So yeah,
1: don't worry. I I, I think I passed that one record when I was in high school. I slept for sixteen hours and missed my shift at work.
0: What
2: the fuck? That's. <laughs> I wish
0: I I could do that. <laughs> If only Pokemon Sleep was out then you would have you would have made so much progress. People have made the obvious joke too. Like Pokemon Sleep Nuzlocke run. Yep. If you don't get enough sleep, you die. <laughs> yep. That's uh that's me. <laughs> I'm dead. Well this is probably one of the more like interesting and scattered uh kind of games talk sections that we've had with an interesting array of titles that we've talked about today. Thank you, Josh, for carrying the load on a good chunk of it. And then, of course, uh, Chow for chiming in on Fake Go, uh James for chiming in on Remnant 2, and Adam for chiming in and discussing Dragon Quest Treasures with me. And I know we're already uh, a couple hours into the podcast here, but the reason why we spent uh, so much time just talking about games we've been playing mainly because the, uh, the news slate this week has been pretty relatively quiet, as well as like uh, not a lot of features going up on the site this week, though we do have a lot of work in progress. So the news slate this week is mostly a few gameplay trailers uh, for some upcoming titles and then uh, a couple other small minor things. Um, don't know if there's much meat on the bone on any individual topic here, so we'll just kind of go through it. Um, the biggest one relatively speaking, to the uh, announcements here, is that we did get a new gameplay trailer for the upcoming English release of The Legend of Nayuta Boundless Trails. So this is coming out in September. Uh, We've talked about this game a few times on the podcast. Of course, it came out um, way back in 2012, originally in Japan, but recently got its Steam release um, a few years back with the Japanese release on that front. Uh, Though they call this a gameplay trailer, only like the first third of it really shows gameplay and the rest of it is just kind of like a character rundown and of course these are all characters that are um, even though it has um, it's uh, some similar stylings to like Legend of Heroes series it's its its own self contained thing these characters are new and original characters uh, to this game. I really dislike the look of it. It looks like a yeast game in a lot of respects, like a yeast a game from before the party era. So, yeast. Um... Yeah. So, I know James has talked about this game directly in the past. Right. he's played uh, it, right? I played <laughs> I mean, the I've PSP version show. a
1: long time. Yeah, I played the PSP version also.
0: So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's one of the better Falcom titles out there. Uh, so, I guess what? Me and you, Adam, the one uh,
0: I was, there was a discussion about it in another chat, and they basically said it's a remnant of like mid-2000s era Falcom, which they were arguing is the best Falcom. And I would kind of, you know, I wouldn't push back against that, Mm -hmm. you know, that that era of East do next, early Trails, so on and so forth. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited for this one. You know, just, I know I've heard, and people have said that it's sort of like Zwei, maybe sort of like Guruman, you know, action RPG. (laughs) Yeah, I wanna, wanna, I wanna play with like a high
2: frame rate, high, high resolution. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know. I haven't the
0: APT port.
2: Yep, I haven't played it uh, in a very long time, so it's probably gonna be a new, a new experience for me once again.
1: I actually wrote a guide for it, then I removed it after one chapter because I got one negative feedback, <laughs> and then because Dang. it was like complete, And then yeah. one guy sent me a PM. It's like, are you ever gonna do a now? Use a guide, and I'm like, only if they do a remaster. And now my well, words, it's like, well, I guess I had to do it. It's not trails of cold steel. That's true.
3: Uh, yeah, it's,
2: it's you know, you'll, you'll have a, a better time.
0: I think but I'm yeah. set to review this game, and like, even though we say it all the time, and people in the know know, there's still a lot of people who get confused, like. That this is a Trails game.
2: Yeah, it's, it's 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 always yeah, it's always worth repeating again and again. Like it's uh, because it, it, it's hard to like, it's hard to drive home that point to people. Like especially like you know, it's just it because it, it's already it, inherently complicated.
0: As is, I mean that's quite. I think that was quite literally the intention from Falcom calling it that. Yeah. So, what, what was it called, Naoto no Koseki yep. in Japan? So it's, they 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 literally wanted people to get confused. Like, oh, this is a this is a Kiseki game. You guys like those, right?
2: Pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, and then like I, I can I can only imagine like the the scratching uh, like new America. Like, how what are we going to title this? Because it's not really trails you know
0: <laughs> yeah i guess the, their title is i think appropriate where yeah. they don't call it trails of something they call it legend of neota boundless trails so it's got like a little bit of a different formatting so it's like not quite in the trails of blank series you know but they had to use the trails word in there somewhere so
2: yeah Kondo was like if you're if you're fucking gonna change it up entirely there's work we're, we're canceling this partnership off that's it
0: we also got a gameplay trailer for an upcoming August release. This is Atlas Fallen. Um, don't know if we'll talk about this too much because we did have the preview opportunity a few months back. Because originally this game was supposed to release like in May, and I know that um, Josh had a very brief chance to look at the game earlier and kind of discussed it. Then, of course, it was very quickly delayed to August. Um, I still think that this is a an interesting title to keep an eye out for. This is this is a kind of more detailed gameplay trailer it's actually about like five or six minutes um and actually seems pretty interesting uh in terms of, like it talks about momentum uh like that's actually like a, the name of a actual gameplay mechanic in there it talks about like different ways you can approach um different weapon styles and things like that it's actually like i'm kind of excited for this game as kind of an, uh potential like under the radar sort of release of course it's releasing at a uh, At a decent time, it's before a lot of the heavy hitters hit. Well, I guess it'll be after. after, Yeah, it'll be after (laughs) Baldur's Gate three on PC. Now that that's moved forward, so everyone's going to be in the middle of Baldur's Gate three and like, hey, this game is out. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, Josh. Josh's initial impressions were uh, relatively positive. Of course, that was a while back, and then the game ended up getting delayed for some polish. Uh, So this is a game I definitely want to try to carve up sound, if possible, try to carve out. Um, Some time for later in the year, and it's coming out in pretty early August. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, have a review out. Do we have someone assigned for this for this game? I forget. Me. Uh, you. So you'll be on it uh, for the like in the first or second week of August. Let's see. We also got a trailer for the upcoming Rune Factory Three special. This trailer is mostly just talking about the bachelorettes that you can pair up with in that game. Though uh, when I was watching this trailer. I haven't played a Rune Factory game, so maybe this is a very green question, but I assume you can pick a female avatar and partner up with male characters. Is that correct? Because this is all just assuming no, a male. It,
1: it, no, it started in four when you could pick a female avatar.
0: Uh, okay, that explains it. I, this is um, assuming a male main character, and you have 11 different Bachelorettes you can pair up with. This trailer is very uh, just kind of going through each character, a few different dialogue uh, lines from each and kind of what they're into and what their personality is like. So, okay. The fact that that wasn't introduced to Rune Factory 4 and this is Rune Factory 3 special, that it makes sense. Yeah, it originally came out on DS, is that right? Or 3DS? Or, uh, DS.
1: It's an original mm-hmm. DS. It's like a collector's 3D. item now. Yeah. Um, like, I, I could see from, like, the trailer they're using kind of like the Natsume translation because they used to uh, do the localization for, for the third game, then somehow because I think the workload for four is like way too big, so I guess they switched to a different publisher and actually started to pick up the series from that then on.
0: The what for four was too big?
1: The 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 script size, because oh, four is just... the script is actually pretty huge, and, and the QA took a lot of time for it because the characters like their dialogue is like vastly different every time you interact with them, they. They have like different lines it you basically won't run out of like what they saying until you play like half a year of game time into the game basically because their dialogue is pretty pretty massive and and I remember the q a took so long to get the game localized because of it at least that's what I remember
0: with the fourth game
1: um but
0: yeah i, I, game I was- remember it was sort of a uh, interesting that when that whole that whole era when like X-Seed, and Marvelous took over the localization of it, which you know it is a Marvelous game, so they got basically got the rights back from Natsume to do yeah. that. in Story of Seasons and that they couldn't use Harvest Moon because Natsume owns that, and so on and so forth.
1: Um, it's better, you know. Exit's localization is a lot better than the Natsume one. I would, I would say, the voice acting is better in the Exit one. The it's like everything so does, is better. The Dream
0: Factory three have voice acting. Uh, yes. Oh, the trailer uh, didn't have any, I think.
1: Not like a big scale, like like if I remember, if you played in the original DS, uh, you basically meet the characters and they probably say that one line when you meet them for the first time and then yeah. they never talk again. <laughs> you know? Uh, like they're Or they're saying their catchphrase lines, like uh, Daria or Dahlia, depending on which translation you play. Well, let's say rainbow. Rainbow. <laughs> you know, she always says rainbow. All right. Because she's an artist, and she believes that the rainbow is the eternity of perfect art. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go.
0: Okay. Um, As more of a general kind of gaming news, this is one I don't think is too terribly interesting, but it's something that I think has kind of been long awaited. It's about uh, Xbox and Microsoft subscription services. Uh, Microsoft has announced that Xbox Live Gold is being like phased out and will be replaced with Xbox game Pass core. Of course, Xbox game Pass is their um, subscription service where you get access to the digital library uh, and then Xbox Live Gold is the classic service for the online gameplay component you know starting with the uh, they start with 360 or with the original Xbox. I never had an original Xbox, so I associate Xbox Live Gold as with the um, Xbox 360. Uh, and
1: I had the 360. I I remember that service is vastly better than the PS Plus.
0: Yeah, at the time. Uh, was, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, but your your incentive to get the PS Plus was all the free games. I I do like the PS Plus model when it was on the on the PS3 era because I'll... the. You... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I I love that model in the PS3 era, because you could basically play online for free, you could do everything, and you get the plus, you just get some free games, and that was it. And then, later on, they tried to copy the Xbox model, and they just fucking failed miserably at it. So, that's how I saw it. And, yeah. i'll be be honest
0: i play most of like my multiplayer centric games i don't play a lot to begin with but when i do i play them on pc so like i don't even factor that in like i don't think about it like oh i'm just gonna play online right i pay for internet and like oh yeah subscription
1: yeah i I think (laughs) it's one of the biggest scams in the in the console market so and it's not it's not
0: a new topic you know it's 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 like going on two decades now yeah so but like i know playstation and we've covered it on this podcast how it's got its different tiers now um but I'll be honest, like I don't commit it to memory because I don't engage with any of it. So like, I'm sorry that I can't speak to it as an authority. But Yeah, uh, I, I don't even have... A,
2: yeah, the, like, I don't have any subscription services anymore aside from like, Nintendo. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not even subscribed to it anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the reason I could play online on the console is because a friend shared his library with me and I can access his PS Plus Uh-oh. from it.
2: You, wanna, you really want to let the public know that, child? It's over.
1: Yeah, they're not gonna find me. What's next? The CPP is gonna <laughs> yeah. after me now.
0: <laughs> you're, you're you're hidden in Canada. It's fine. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I will say that even though I don't remember the shifting of the tiers for both Xbox and Sony, um, their different services. I do think that in general, the idea of having like. The library subscription with Game Pass and then the online service subscription with Live Gold was a bit cumbersome. So the fact that they're kind of packaging it together and saying, hey, the basic tier of our Xbox Game Pass core will give you the live service, um, the online play component. And then you can tier up to the to the ultimate or the higher tiers if you want the additional access on PC Game Pass or or uh, xCloud as well. That just seems like it's a bit of a streamlining and makes some sense. So um, I did have PC Game Pass, or I guess, yes, now it's called PC Game Pass, not, all right, it was called Xbox Game Pass for PC, and now it's called PC Game Pass, and it's just kind of its own little fork now, but th- that's the only one I've ever subscribed to uh, as primarily a PC player, but long overdue, I feel, and kind of hopefully good going forward for just kind of simplifying uh, that end of things. We do have one release day, and this was kind of a surprise announcement from earlier in the year. We kind of talked about the significance of it then. Uh, The announcement of Aqua Plus's visual novel, White Album, Memories Like Fallen Snow. We got the announcement earlier this year that it was going to release worldwide uh, for the first time. I forget when it originally released in Japan uh, in the 2010s or so. I think so. It's very early.
2: Yeah. actually no no no, no, no it's not in 2010 uh it was like the original one was like because i was like that was a console release the original was like 1990
3: yeah the original story
0: is from like 1998 yeah. and the remake yeah. was from 2010 uh and then uh it was announced earlier this year that it was going to get a worldwide release this year and we have learned that it will be releasing on steam on august 4th so uh if you're That's not the type t- to play Baldur's Gate 3, you can read White Album memories like *Fallen Snow*. Man,
1: I'm in that boat, guys. I don't care about Baldur's Gate.
2: <laughs> I like both a lot. Well, I mean, I, I like I like White Album two a lot, but
0: yeah, no, uh, I don't care about the first Yeah, thing I, I, I remember I that topic. From, this, I remember that topic from back then, saying like the more exciting thing about the original announcement was less the announcement itself, but more, oh, if this is coming worldwide, that means the second one is likely to. And that's what uh, you both latched on to uh, back then. That's yeah, the that's that's
1: first thing I bought from Amazon Japan when I went to Japan. I was staying in Japan there, and I was like, mm, gotta get that. That's the first thing I did.
0: The the oh, White Album Man on a Mission.
1: Yeah, I bought White Album 2 when I was in there. Immediately. Uh,
2: here's, I like, I, 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 here's, here's what I think I'm gonna... Here's my game plan. I'm thinking like Baldur's Gate 3 is not a marathon game it is a slow burn game I'll yeah, play it on yeah. my own, own face and then in between that I'll I want to read something play my album, get tired of reading go back to Baldur's Gate I, I, actually I don't know what else is around there because there might be another fucking game that like I,
0: I want a- to get to Atlas Fallen and you're like uh, <laughs> uh, what else is in August? Al- Armored Core Sea of Stars the C stars. that's that's later in august that's like the 29th oh you're yeah, talking early august is. yeah you're asking i don't know
2: it's gonna get complicated soon
0: yeah it is yep uh, august 4th for white album uh worldwide release on pc and then the last bit here uh in, in our usual cadence of leaving these sorts of announcements for the end uh mobile game destiny child which originally launched in 2018 will be shutting down operations in 2023. Uh, they got Nikkei
1: now. They don't need the no,
2: is, is, is this the same well. Oh yeah, is this, yeah, the, uh, I think this is the Nikkei developers, right? Or is it the same ones?
1: Somewhere there.
2: I, I, I I'm trying that. to I'm trying I'm trying to think, are they also working on Stellar Blade?
0: Stellar Blade. The PS5 game?
2: Yeah, Shift Up. 'Cause cause I because I, I know Kyung Tae Kim, the artist, is on that.
0: But that's I, the Magna Carta artist, is it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Nice deep cut. <laughs> I knew what the fuck you're talking about right away. It shows how broken I am too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shift up is the um Yeah, Shift Up is a Korean game development company primarily known for their hit mobile game Destiny Child, which is shutting down in a couple months. However, they are now developing their first AAA A. Multi-platform release titled Project Eve or Stellar Blade. Is it multi-platform? Okay. The, 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 the article it's, that I grabbed that from might have been old news. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's fully it, when they first revealed it, they said it was coming to PlayStation and Xbox. And then when it showed up again, it was on at like a PlayStation event and they never clarified past that. So it's like, And oh, they changed uh, the title. It became Stellar Blade instead of Project yeah, Eve. Like, so well, you originally said it's coming to Xbox, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, so I'd say yeah,
2: it's, uh, Shift Up did is working on both Nikkei and Stellar Blade, okay. And
0: I know Hung take Kim is like actually he's he's an artist, but he he's like also the director now, sort of like an Namura type, I guess. Mm-hmm. So,
2: <laughs> I used to be really into his art, like when I was like much younger. I like, got uh, because he has a very distinct style.
1: I, I think yeah. I, I showed I think I his art to like my my best friend who's in like art school, and the first thing he starts like criticizing is Tomi is all over the place. It's like this is fucking trash. I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, Magna Carta 2 really a of, said a good a lot of time. His characters, a lot of his characters have twisted spines.
2: Yes. Yep. yep. So it, it's weird because like I never like I didn't play much of Magna Carta 2, but like I, I played the original Magna Carta on PS2. Man. That was <laughs> a game that existed alright.
1: Damn, did I refresh your memory by saying Magna Carta? <laughs>
2: I, I I don't know. I I ha- I always have like a I always have a vivid memory of Magna Carta's battle system because it's it's so tedious. I, oh I think God.
1: I bought the second one for 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 my uh, friend that owned an Xbox. I said I want to try this game, but I don't have an Xbox right now. Can you please play it? And he's like,
2: I I think I think okay. I think the subtitle of the original PS2 title was like Tears of Blood. I think it had like a original English song for the Western release that had like Tears of Blood in the lyrics. I think that's the case, and it was doesn't, like not great.
1: Doesn't that happen to a lot of? Like imported products to the Americas back in those era for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Like Dragon Ball's opening song in in the American version is like Dragon Dragon Balls.
2: <laughs> okay, that was rad. Okay, <laughs> like a, like, that, that was, what are you talking about? Like Hard Captors. Like
0: that. That, that that's classic banger. Yeah, hey, that 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 classic Yu Gi Oh opening. That's yeah. That that's that's a, that's a hit. Uh, and there and there is Yu Gi Oh opening. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Digimon, I could leave. That's nah. <laughs> no, 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 Digimon's rat. What the fuck?
1: That's why the only the Pokemon song became. Yeah. Look,
2: are... look, it says it in the song. They are the champions.
1: No, they're not. What? Only, only, only they shout WarGreymon in the opening song. That's the only good Digimon. Sorry.
0: Yeah, you heard it here. WarGreymon is the only good Digimon <laughs> the podcast fuck? title right there. Oh my
2: god, child. I mean, WarGreymon is rad, but there's a lot of good Pokemon. I Digimon.
0: The pod- uh, I like the idea of titling the podcast, Where's Digimon Sleep, or WarGreymon is the only good Digimon, <laughs> and then people having to wait till this final section of the podcast to learn what the hell that was from. <laughs> Anyways, Destiny Child is uh, ending operations uh, globally across all versions of the game in September. So. And like I said, uh, we had those couple of gameplay trailers, a few little release dates, and that one Destiny Child announcement. And that was pretty much it for uh, RPG related news announcements for this week, though we expect it, of course, to start ramping up as we get into uh, the marketing cycle of all the games coming out in August and early September. So, as always, you can find uh, RPG site on all the social media networks uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. We've tried a few different, um, posting like social media tools on the back end. So you should see us at least for the time being, uh, being a little bit more active on our non Twitter feeds, uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So, uh, if you follow us on any of those channels, just, you know, leave us some comments on the site or in our discord, uh, join our discord at discord.gg, uh, slash RPG site. Of course, we're just the changing social media landscape. Uh, things aren't quite as, you know, hectic and worried as they were a few months ago, but it's still a little bit, you know, shifting paradigms, uh, over the last few months for various reasons. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, think we're doing things well. anything think we can improve on. Uh, leave, leave us a comment at the bottom of the site post or underneath the YouTube channel or on your podcast service of choice. Uh, and we will be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. Until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. We'll talk to you all later.